Buckle up, everyone, and welcome to Carpool Rugby League, a show where four rugby league tragics talk everything rugby league on your way to or from work. I'm Graham. I'm Shano. I'm the Chameleon. And I'm Dan. Welcome aboard and over the Dan. show. Yes, Eagle Dan, he's flying high. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's another episode of Carpool Rugby League, and we've got a big one this week. And, um, well, as you heard at the top of the show there, if we say you're coming on, you're coming on. We've got Eagle Dan here. Uh, he's making his debut, week three of the finals. Not a bad time to make your debut, Dan. Welcome aboard. Thank you, gentlemen. I've been in Reggie's for quite a while. Um, had a few <laughs> players get ahead of me, but it's good to finally get a run. Um, it took a while for the NRL to approve my contract, but uh, it's finally come through, so I'm happy for the transfer. Good to hear, good to hear. And we heard that he's been practicing uh, rubbing the back of his neck in case there's a crusher tackle during the podcast this week and making sure he pulls that penalty. But I'll tell you what, fellas, um, there's been some good football, and, geez, it, it didn't get much better than uh, the Panthers-Eels game. Uh, we'll just check in with Griffo. Uh, your heart's still beating after that one, mate, because I'll tell you what, they, they took it right to the limit. Yeah. Um, I was really concerned about about that game. Um, I was standing up watching the first half, sort of pacing forward and back. And uh, in the second half, I sat down and I, I was uh, I had a dumbbell. I don't know how many kilos it was, but I was uh, just getting done with the bell. In the second half, I was I was I had all this nervous energy. I couldn't just sit down and watch the game. So, not, no offense to you, Griffo, but if you told me that every time you're nervous, you worked out, I wouldn't believe it. But that's 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 yeah. no offense to you. I, I apologize for that. No, no, no it's you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it uh, it just sort of I don't know. I had all this energy, um, and it was hard to watch. I got to say because. Uh, um, I mean, it was a great game if you're a neutral, um, but you, it's, yeah, uh, you know, if you're passionate about your team, uh, then uh, that sort of game, uh, yeah, it, it is something that's got you on the edge of your seat. Um, and uh, look, I, we got away with it. Credit to Power, they were outstanding. And we'll review the game uh, during the course, but uh, yeah, I, I was happy with the win. Yeah, and as Griffo said there, Shano, for neutral fans last week, there was plenty to look at. Obviously, the talking point has been that uh, the low-scoring game between the Panthers and the Eel, uh, Eels, I should say. Um, we know the Seagulls got the job done quite convincingly. But overall, it was another good week of footy heading into, uh, well, four teams left now. Yeah, yeah. It was a, look, it was an interesting week, I think, with Penrith. Um, we'll talk about the games. I think the key thing with Penrith moving forward, there's got to be concern that, um, although they won the game in the in the, this final series, they're still down. Um, uh, they're down one try, three tries to two, considered three, scored two, and they've scored only two off kicks. So, um, you know, I know that's a large part of their attacking um, potency is, is, is clear as kicking game, but at the moment, that's the only way they're scoring points. Um, Manly put on a show. Um I said last week in the podcast, it was at what point was it where the Roosters were just going to run out of puff and run out of steam? And 
I've got to disagree with a lot of media outlets who said that sort of Roosters put the cue in the rack half hour in and it was a foregone conclusion. I actually think that I think that Manly just hammered them in the first 30 minutes to the point where the Roosters knew they had nothing. And um, the rest that Trebojevic and Cherry Evans earned at the back end of that game, that's only made possible because in the first half an hour, they really gave it to the Roosters. Um, in saying that, there was some poor, poor football by them. Um, Tupanua, how the hell he stayed on the field. Robinson, he won't be on Robinson's Christmas card list. I thought he had probably one of the worst games of his career in the finals. Um, they just they just run out of path, and that was because in the first half an hour, Manly gave it to him. So it's 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 it gets it's making for an interesting week of football ahead. Definitely, definitely. And before we get to the games this week, we might as well uh, talk a little bit in detail about those games last week. Uh, the first one we had was on Friday. That game we talked about involving Manly and the Roosters, forty-two to six. The Seagulls uh, ended up winning this one. As you mentioned, Shano. There were four tries in the first half an hour, Manly coming out really strong. Overall, there was two tries to Tom Trebojevic. Uh, Foran got a try. Cherry Evans got over the line, as did Harper, Walker, and Saab. Uh, Matt Ikevalu bounced back after getting Graham's gaff last week to score a try for the Roosters. Um, this one nearly, was... Is that the one? Was it the one who nearly dropped the ball, but he caught it? Was that him? Mm. Ikevalu. Juggled it. I can't remember. There was a winger who yeah, had a yeah. bounce off his chest and he yeah, yeah, bounced yeah, off his chest and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. In this game, yeah, they, he they wanted could, a they could, duff. They could quickly have been a duck egg. Well, he did. He did all right last week. He almost tried to get another gaff the week before. He dropped it and Wallace picked, basically caught it and uh, fell over the line. Um, but yeah, in this one, the Seagulls they were dominant. They were they were definitely the better team. They definitely bounced back. Um, might go to you, Dan, being the resident uh, Seagulls fan that we've got on board this week to help us preview the big week of uh, footy. Uh, a lot of people were talking about the game against Melbourne where uh, Tom, Trevo- Tom Trevojevic wasn't uh, involved as much as Manly fans would have liked. Uh, last week, he got over the stripe a couple of times. Uh, for you as a Manly fan that watched them pretty closely, what was the difference for you between the, the Melbourne game and then coming out and having this great performance against the Roosters? Yeah, look, obviously a really pleasing performance uh, to see, especially after that Melbourne game. And I'll probably talk more about how Melbourne controlled Tommy Turbo when we do the preview later for the Penrith game. I think it had more to do with uh, Melbourne controlling that game than him being out of it. Um, the first thing I probably want to mention is like, the credit to the Roosters for the season that they had. It's really unbelievable. Like you saw, you guys mentioned early on in the year, you know, we saw Manly go to bits with Turbo out, you know, like the first four games and zero from four. If you take any other halfback out of any other team, do they end up where they end up? You know, if you take Cleary out of Penrith, does Penrith finish second? If you if you take DCE out of Manly, do they finish fourth? You know, Melbourne might be the exception to that because they're just a good all-round team. But any other team you take the halfback out and they're gone for the season. Well, the Roosters lost their halfback. Then they lost their captain who had to retire. Then they lost their hooker. Then they lost their backup one. Plus every other, you know, the young gun along the way, Joseph Suwali, they lost him part way through. They've lost every player along the way and they still finished fifth on equal points with the fourth best team. So it was, it was an unbelievable season from the Roosters. Um, and I'd personally have maybe Trent Robinson up there as a coach of the year contender um, for getting them through. And as Shane, I mentioned, though, they just ran out of puff this game. Um, it's a combination of factors. They, I don't think they put the cue in the rack. 
Um, I think Shane was right. Manly just belted them early. Um, that really threw the Roosters off of their uh, off of their focus, and they just couldn't recover from that. There was so many errors. Tupanua was putting down the ball every chance he got. Um, anytime the Roosters looked like they were getting out of trouble, um, they were just turning it over. Uh, DC was kicking them into oblivion. Um, he was really giving them no no territory with the kick meters. And the thing that Manly has really developed this year is that we've become a long-range scoring team, um, which is something that um, might, you might have noticed in last week's game as well, that they get to about that halfway mark, the 40-metre mark, and having Turbo on the field, the defence has to look everywhere for him. And so either the ball will shift to him, whether it's a Jake Travojevic ball back on the inside to um, Turbo running through, or DC will take it fake to Turbo and then pass it out to someone like Stubb, who's just probably the fastest person, as Gus Gould would say, fastest person on the planet at the moment. Um, and he just streaks away with it. Uh, so it was really good to see them back on song, back on form. Uh, obviously a very different prospect this week coming up against a, a strong South Sydney team. Um, but I think Manly just, they're, they're very much a momentum team at the moment. If they get a run on, um, they can be really good. My biggest concern, and we'll do this in the preview, is that, First halves have typically been slow. It was really good last week to see a strong first half from them. Um, even up until the run to the finals, even against the Bulldogs and the Cowboys, we were struggling in the first halves. And we turned on second half. Um, and that's where Melbourne crushed us the week before. Uh, but last week was just good to see that turnaround. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would be uh, something great for fans to see that turnaround. Because a lot of people, the rugby league community, it's funny, Shane, because they're very quick to write a team off. Uh, two weeks ago, we are talking about South can't win without Luttrell, then they beat Penrith. Uh, a week ago, Manly can't win it because they got belted by Melbourne. All of a sudden now, Manly are back in contention. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Manly performance uh, coming out of this game? Because um, a lot of South fans have been talking about the concerns, given the fact they were able to put 42 points on on the weekend. Yeah, look, I, I, like I said earlier, I thought their first half an hour just it just blew the Roosters off the park and and you know, I think I think Desi in typical Desi style, uh, he would have told his team that's what Trent Robertson's going to tell you that we start slow, um, let's get on the board, let's get on the board quickly. And you could tell in the first couple of sets they they wanted to get the ball in Teddy's hands. <sighs> the Roosters just made too many errors um, that just it, it, it just gifted Manly um, position and and field position where you know teams. You don't give anyone in the NRL repeated field position inside your own half. Give it to a top four side. They're going to belt you every day of the week. Um, but yeah, it's more of that in the preview, I think, because I, I really, I thought Manly, I thought Manly's first 30 was so well controlled and it just dictated the game. And, mm. and it really, you know, they're not going to have the walk in the park that they had on the weekend, mm. but credit where credit's due. They really utilised. They, they, look, you know, a lot of people say you can't get ambushed as a rugby league side because you know when the game's going to start every, every, every week. In essence, they got ambushed. The Roosters. They, the, the, the Seagulls came with a game plan that I don't think anyone from the Roosters predicted. Yeah. In, in saying that, like, like Dad said, like we've been saying for weeks, the caliber of personnel putting on the side. You know, in this last two weeks, no, or last four weeks, no Manu, and then no Verils. You know, that's you're starting. You, you know, not not to be not to be rude to to the Roosters, but you, you're into the dregs. 
of a side that you're never going to no, wouldn't normally drink from. Yeah, and and look, the, there's been so much talk, Griffo, about Tommy Turbo. We know how great he is. Um, we, we might even have a chat at some stage about the Daily M contenders. For me, I think he's the favourite. I think he's uh, he's going to win this award. But you know, we, we've seen more recently. You know, Dan touched on it. Um, DCE was in the media last week saying that you know it's 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 a team effort. And I think sometimes because there's all this focus on Tom Trebojevic, some of the focus gets taken away from your foreign, your Cherry Evans, so on and so forth. We've even talked. I mean, we're a huge fan of of Garrick on here. What are your thoughts on Hank those Scorpio? Yeah, Hank Scorpio in the uh, in the centres. But what are your thoughts on those those other players that are key to to Manly and 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 their role in the team? Because a lot of the times in the media we just hear about Tommy Turbo and if he's on they win, if he's not, you know. So what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that when Turbo's there, everyone else is better. Um, is that a psychological thing you think that when he's I there they it's... lift? I, I think so. I think it's that's a big part of it. But also, it's to do with the fact that the opposition are so focused on Turbo yeah, yeah. that they're less focused on the other guys. Um, Good point, Griff. Uh, and that's, that's just natural because Turbo, he's the best there is at the moment. Um, Manly are, and, and not without a chance when he doesn't play. They used to be, um, but they've been a much improved team. They've won games without him this year. Um, and I think um, there's a few reasons for that. You know, I was I was quite critical of them last year and, and early this year. Um, but they've brought in some young players who I didn't know of who are now well-credentialed NRL players, the likes of Schuster, Olakowatu, um, both wingers are very good, better when Turbo's there, it must be said. Um, the two centres are playing good football. Um, Kepi's a handy uh, guy up front. Um, so they've got all this, they've got quite good depth now. And again, that was, that was an area that they really struggled Um was depth of talent should they get an injury to any of their their key guys because their the salary cap is very skewed um, towards the well DCE is the highest paid NRL player um, and that's just fact uh, I don't think he's the best NRL player but um, they've got guys like DCE Turbo's uh, a million dollar player I think brother Jake is pretty close to that as well. Um, so their, their top end players are commanding a huge part of their salary cap and it didn't leave much else. But what we've seen is they've unearthed, unearthed, I should say, uh, some, some very good young talent, uh, much of which has been imported from Western Sydney. Um, and, and they're bringing these guys through, uh, they brought them through their junior system and they've been quite successful in the juniors and now they're reaching an age where they're NRL players. Um, so in the long term, um, it's a club that set themselves up really well. 
uh, you know, DCE, he's probably got a few more years in him. But, um, you know, when he finishes, there's going to be some money to, to keep some of these younger guys. So um, I've, got to, uh, I've got to say that, uh, you know, uh, some of the things I said in the past about the, the Eagles uh, at the time were certainly, you know, I thought correct. But um, that they've got in place now uh, a much better squad and a long-term plan. Um, and I think uh, uh, that their talent scout, Scott Fulton, and his brother, I think, uh, I'm not sure it might be Brett, have been working quite hard to, to set this club up. And they're, they're going into parts of Western Sydney, picking out the best players and uh, saying, come and play for us. And uh, it's working. Yeah. And, and look, really, just before we, we move on, we we, um, we talk a little bit about the Roosters uh, who have finished up their season. Just one last thing on Manly before we talk about them later on in the context of the South game. Um, and while we've got Dan on here, I'd be really interested to hear his thoughts and also to um, both your other regulars here, Griffo and Shano. We often, we've talked about Manly, we've talked about these players, even when they're playing well, um, we pick out certain players like Turbo, we talk about you know, Garrick and Parker and Harper and Saab and all these players that, you know, that, that have really come through. And Griffo mentioned these young players. One bloke that's still young, but they've found a good role for him, and I think it's a lot of credit to Des Hasler, is Dylan Walker. The The role that Dylan Walker has been playing, especially in recent weeks, coming off the bench, um, pretty much playing that, you know, ball-playing lock sort of, sort of role at times, uh, similar to, you know, I know... You know, they're coming up against South this week. They've got Benji Marshall that does almost a similar role. Um, we don't talk a lot on this show. Dan, being a uh, being a listener, you probably wouldn't have heard a lot about Dylan Walker. But what do you think he's brought to your club, especially in recent weeks? Because I think he's been phenomenal. Uh, just a couple of things. I just wanted to talk quickly before Walker about what I think is we, you could dub the carpool rugby league effect. Uh, if I recall a few years ago, Shane uh, used to eviscerate the Panthers uh, for how they were, you know, and their misuse of, of plays and their, you know, signings. And then next thing you know, the Panthers shot to the, the top of the competition. Uh, Griff eviscerated Manly and here we are. So by that, by, that, by that logic, uh, the Tigers should be good at Tiger. some stage. Too. Have to, <laughs> they have should to imagine. Be. They should be. They're premiers uh, next year. If, if, if we smart, use that man. logic. If, the if eviscerate means put shit on, then okay. <laughs> Literally sometimes. Um, but to, to Graham's point about Dylan Walker, Dylan Walker, he's one of those players that I even I don't talk about that much uh, because his, let's say, off-field antics uh, have unfortunately taken a bit of limelight uh, okay. recently. Uh, but as a player on the field, he, he has been a, a revelation this year in terms of he's always been that quality player. You know, he won a Combrew South. Um, he was a New South Wales and Australian centre. You know, he was he was a top tier player, and then he kind of went missing for a couple of years. And as a Manly fan, when Trent Barrett came in as coach, Dylan Walker really wanted to find a place as a five eight. He wanted to be a half, um, except for the fact that he never kicked, which was a problem uh, when one of you two halves isn't kicking at all. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't fool the defence too much when you're fake to run every every play <laughs> yeah, when that's your fifth, only play. It makes your fifth tackle option pretty skinny. Yeah, so he, he didn't really fit in there. And because he didn't fit in as, as a 5 eighth, and they persisted and they tried to develop and it just really wasn't coming together, I think he might have felt like it was a backward step 
going just back into centres. And by that stage, we developed a couple of centres. Um, we were trying to bring a few on, like Moses Sully, who now can't find a, a spot in the mm. run-on squad. Um, so Dylan Walker was kind of lost for a bit. And I, I think I think clubs are starting to realise or have realised the importance of that number 14 role. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, for, for Melbourne, Hines or Pappenhausen um, coming in at 14. Um, if you or Harry Grant again yeah, for Melbourne being the other example, um, and actually that was like the other week. You know, Brand Smith goes off injured. Oh, who are they bring in their backup? Oh, Harry Grant. Not losing much. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's where we're at. If if one of our centres goes down, you know, if if Hank Scorpio um, falls ill um, partway through, well, we've got a, a New South Wales quality centre. You know, really, who 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 can come on? Um, you know, he, he can he's slotting into that um, dummy half role, just taking quick scoots, and that burst of energy from an electric player um, ha, has really been strong. Um, and I'm, I'm noticing Desi um, changing up those rotations a bit. Um, last week, I think he started with with Kepi uh, in the forwards and, and had Tapao coming off the bench. Um, whereas up against South, he may well change that up. Um, but I, th- I think Dylan Walker has has really on the field. Um, been, been very impressive in terms of providing that spark off the bench. And it goes a long way to why Manly have been stronger in those second halves because he comes on when the opposition have tired legs and he just runs away with it. Yeah. Yeah, so, look, they've got they've got strike across the park. They've got depth on the bench. That's the reason why um, they finished in the top four and they're in the final four teams uh, going into this week's round of footy. Now, Shano... Um, We'll just briefly finish up on the Roosters, given the fact this will be our last opportunity to uh, to talk about them. I think the next time we probably yeah. talk about the Roosters will be our preview next year. I know we've basically summed it up and said, given their injuries, they've overachieved. The, look, the main consensus basically is next year they get their players back. They're a real threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it is. Um, the, the thing I find concerning is... Is I was when I was watching the game, I watched both games back again on the weekend in preparation for this. Where I thought you can tell it's been a long year for them is is that the players making the mistakes on the weekend were the players that are going to be on the run on side next year. So it's like it's not as if it was the it's not as if they bought players in and they're the ones stuffing everything up. It was actually the frontline players. I, I just think they're exhausted. I think mm-hmm. I think emotionally they're exhausted. Uh, I think that I think I think they just have had the year that as a club you'd rather forget. You tend to forget them because you don't finish in the top eight. Uh, these guys finished. You now the first week they they beat the Titans. I actually I don't remember whether it was on this podcast or to someone else. I said I think I think the Titans would push Manly more next week. Because, because you could just see it unfolding for the Roosters. Um, I think they should be immensely proud of what they've achieved. I'm a South Sydney fan, so everyone knows my thoughts on the club, and I, I take my off to them. I really yeah. do. I really do think that they... Coach Robinson should be applauded. He is one of the premier coaches in our competition. They are proof that they are a top-notch rugby league side and on and off the park. So I I just think that all that has really now come to light that here's a club that that got into the finals, that that Mad Monday was delayed by a couple of weeks because, and I've said it 
for years. What happens off the field mirrors what happens on the field in every way, shape or form. And you can tell they're a healthy club because look at where they finished. I, I think next year we're not going to be talking about them finishing outside of the fall. No. They've got some very, very good players to come back. Yep. And, um, you know, if, if you look at the, the, the unlucky year they've had this year, if Lady Luck smiles on the next year, they're going to go a long way in through September. Yeah. And look, one player who we know won't be uh, returning, uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention that last week was the Morris, final yes. uh, yeah, match of Morris's career. Um, for someone who's watched rugby league for a long time, Griffo, you would have watched Josh Morris throughout his whole career. He played uh 325 matches we know 37 of those were for the roosters obviously uh he had a quite illustrious career before coming to the club uh but this is definitely um one of those players along with his brother who we have to have to mention as uh having a great career yeah highly decorated highly respected and um you could see the respect and i was really um I thought, you know, one of the highlights of, of that game was, was what happened after the game, uh, the way that the two teams lined up to show the respect uh, as he walked off the field. Um, I'm sure that meant a lot to him personally. He's had an outstanding career. He's done everything in the game bar win a competition, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother uh, has won two one with the Roosters and one with the Dragons. Uh, poor old Josh. He was, he'd already left the Dragons uh, for the Bulldogs. He played in a couple of grand finals with the Dogs not to win one. Um, and he just missed out at the Roosters. So, um, but, you know, we can't have too many regrets. It's been a stellar career. You, you talked about the number of games. Um, some, some great performances for New South Wales represented his country as well um you sort of think of them as as you know the morris brothers you don't sort of talk too much think of them as as individuals uh josh was predominantly in the centers brett predominantly uh, a winger and and you'd, you'd have to say brett was one of the probably the greatest wingers to play the game um josh a very very good center both in attack and, and known for his defense um, so a great career f- for him and, and congratulations on that. Um, Shane mentioned, you know, that next year the Roosters will be a force. Um, there's no doubt some of the guys that were not available last week um, that will be available next year, led by Luke Keary. Uh, Takiaha was missing. Joey Manu, um, arguably the best centre in the game, was missing. Lindsay Collins, a state of origin front rower was missing. Uh, they were missing their number one hooker in Sam Verrill's. Um, Victor Radley. Victor, well, he was there last week. He had missed a yes, lot of sorry. other games. But, yes. but um, you know, they're going to they're gonna be challenging for, for, for the Premiership next year, no doubt about it. Not just because those guys come back, but the guys who, who were in their place this year are now better players. Um the club is as strong as any club in the NRL uh, in terms of their culture, in terms of their their will to win. And, and I, you know, along with the word, I echo the words that we've, we've, each of you have mentioned about the Roosters. I thought they've had a, 
um, they've been a credit to to their club and to their supporters the way they've they've gone on. Other clubs would have crumbled. Yeah. Um, most other clubs would have just crumbled with trying to get through what what those guys have gone through with injury and um, long term suspensions to to Radley and Crichton missed a lot of games as well on sus- suspension. Um, so watch out next year. Um, also, we didn't mention Suwali. Oh, I mentioned Suwali as one of those guys that's going to come back Hail into the team. Uh, Eagle Dan, um, what can you tell us about uh, Joseph Suwali? You, you know him uh, personally and you've seen him play, obviously, uh, a lot of junior, probably more so rugby union. But uh, what can you tell us about the Wonder Kid? Yeah, look, the, the thing, I, I just want to mention a couple of other things. Firstly, uh, Josh Morris, um, I, I forgot to mention him earlier. What a fantastic career he's had. Um, yeah. I think, Griffo, you mentioned it. He's one of those players, I mainly saw him from a New South Wales fan's perspective, and he'd be one of those players who get selected sometimes for New South Wales, and you think, oh, are there stronger attacking options to go with? But he never disappointed. Um, he was always just a really solid, gave-everything-on-the-field player that you, you couldn't help but like him. In your t- he, he's a top player that you want in your team just to up the effort, up the attitude uh, with that. Um, look, Joseph Suwali, uh, he's, I, I think he, I, I can't give an assessment of how he's going to go on the field uh, in terms of a long-term career. I think the, the media hype was, it was just one of those things that just kept building up, building up, and he didn't really want too much to do with it. He just wanted to either play footy or train, uh, and it, and it almost was the type of thing that became a non-issue in the end. Like once he got his debut out of the way, everyone's like, yep, all right, he's on. Um, we have players who are pretty close to him in age who have also got to start without the, the media build-up. Um, so I think it'll hold them in good stead next year if he can just start with a fresh start. Um, the media hype won't be quite around him as much as it was this year. Uh, he'll be able to just get his head down, do his job. He's a really conscientious guy. Uh, I think he'll fit very well into that culture at the Roosters of, of doing all the stuff off the field. Uh, very humble. Uh, even though he's from that uh, private school system, he's got very humble beginnings. Uh, I don't think he's forgotten uh, that either. So I think he's the type of person that you would love to have in a team. Uh, one thing I just wanted to maybe throw to, to Graham or Shane, what are our, our thoughts on Victor Radley? Um, obviously a fantastic player, but even in that Manly game towards the back end, I don't know how nothing came of it. There were a couple of uh, jabs or punches thrown uh, that was picked up in the footage. Uh, the Victor, I think he got into an argument with Sean Kepi uh, at one point. Um, he's a fan- yeah, he's a fantastic player, but uh, he can go on tilt yeah, sometimes, I, and I, I wonder if it's a concern. The, the problem with Victor Radley is, and I mean no disrespect to the guy, I don't know him, but I can only look at his football. Um, you know, within the next five years, another Victor Radley is going to come across. There's going to be another Victor Radley in the world that's not going to have the grubbiness that he has. And then all of a sudden you become, it's a bit like, it's a bit like Dylan Walker, you know, you, you, you know, another Dylan Walker come, come into the world that didn't have the background issues of Dylan Walker. All of a sudden you're replaced. Now I, I rate Victor Radley. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a very good player under the rooster system. I think you put Victor Radley into the Tigers, or you put him into another club. Um, they'll pay him 900000 They'll firstly. pay him 900000 <laughs> and he won't do much. And I just think that under that system, he has this problem where he can't let something go. Like, like we had this discussion, I think, I, I would have been off air, Graham and I, and I, 
And and it's not because Cameron Murray is a South Sydney player. I'd, it was just Cameron Murray, Victor Radley. And you'd pick Cameron Murray every day of the week because Cameron Murray's a leader. He's someone who's seen with leadership qualities. He's someone who on the field holds himself in good esteem. He's He, he does the work. And at the end of the day, he's not going to give away silly penalties. He's not going to punch on. He's not going to cause you grief. He's not going to be off the field for six weeks. You know, in, if you sort of project it, Cameron Murray's going to be worth far more in years to come than Victor Radley because of that one little thing. They might be the same footballer. I don't think they are. I think Cameron Murray's a far better defender, but especially around the middle of the rack. But the thing is, you look at the long term, you look at the long-term projection, and that's why you see these players always come to the surface. You see the cream rising. And I think for Paul Victor, he is at the right club. He's going to have a guy like Robinson's going to talk to him. He's got Uncle Nick. He's got all the support around him. The key thing that I, um, the key thing for the Roosters I'm, I would be worried about is that they lose a very, very key mentor in their coaching staff next year. It's given. Yeah. yeah. And I think for the yeah. Ford pack, especially, and for people like Radley, that could hurt slightly. Yeah. And I, that's the only thing in the back of my mind, which if anything goes slightly pear-shaped, it could be that. I just think Radley is someone who, you know, he, he needs to clean up his act and he's at the right club to do so. In saying that, he's also at a club where if he if he starts seeing more time on the sideline, they're going to let him go. They're not going to bother with him. Yep. So I, his football quality is when he's on, he's on. But you know, um, he gets the other stuff out of his game. He's as valuable as anyone. He is, but the, the other thing is, I think the other stuff stops him from being on. Like when was the last time you saw a game where he went, "Oh, Victor Radley was outstanding, man of the match." I thought it was. Yeah. No, I thought it was against the Gold Coast. It was pretty good the week before. Really? The, the, I think the Gold Coast. He was outstanding, mate. I think coming I back, think he, from got an taught, he got well. he got he missed two tackles on his inside shoulder. Like that, that pretty much led to the Gold Coast back of the game. Mm. And look, a lot of with the Roosters too. Before we, um, yeah, before we move on, last thing I want to make about the Roosters because I want to touch on something that we talked a little bit about last week. I won't labour the point as much as I did last week, but I want to talk about young Sam Walker at halfback. Most of our conversation here has been about next year. Um, we have been talking about the halves. This is one of those tough ones. I'm just going to throw it open to you guys and see who, who jumps on the hook here. Um, you know... Should he be the starting halfback next year? I feel from last week, you know, a lot of people coming out of this game are going to say he wasn't the best, but I feel as though by the time he got on the field, he was playing catch-up. Um, Tedesco had to to chance his arm a lot more, and that forced some errors from him, basically because I feel Hutchinson and Lamb weren't necessarily getting the job done against the Seagulls, despite some good performances. Are we feeling as though if we get Walker some some time in the gym, bulking up a bit, that he he might be the uh, the better option in the halves? Oh, I believe so. Um, yeah, he obviously needs to to um, increase his strength a bit so that he can uh, 
be stronger in defence. Well, he's got all the skills uh, that you want from your halfback. Um, I, I think he's, he's definitely the long-term number seven at the Roosters. He's going to have Kiri outside him. He's going to run the show. That's going to take a lot of the pressure off him in attack, certainly. He's always going to be a spot in defence. They're always going to look for him. But he doesn't shirk. You know, he, he has a go. Um, you know, with, with some, you know, putting on a, f- a few more kilos, a bit more muscle, um, I think it's going to benefit, obviously, both him and the team in defence. He's never going to be a 100-kilo halfback, you know. Um, uh, he, he is what he is, and his skills are greater than, than most guys 19 years of age in his position. He's had a lot of experience this year, and I think that's only going to benefit him and his team in the future. Um on a lighter note, one one guy that we, we didn't get to mention, Re the Roosters, who they missed up in Queensland, didn't make the cut. Um, yeah, they only had a certain number of spots, so so giggity jiggity, giggity, giggity wasn't yeah. able to be part of the crowd. He can't even watch Newtown at the moment. No. Um, so, you know, I think the Roosters, uh, they, they grow an extra leg when they, they, they run out on right. the field they and see. there's jiggity giggity and they, they just see, know. Yeah, they see. They yeah, see so they missed, they missed him. Anastasia can, didn't give him a passport. Uh, can I, can I just say add to that, that he though? is their mojo. He is well, their mojo, isn't he? Well, he is. always so, the one. Just to, to add to that, uh, I, I mentioned that, you know, you know, he can't even go watch Newtown play because we know he's a Newtown fan. Um, I think that's, that was Walker's issue. I think if Walker could have just gone back to, to, to reserve grade for a couple of weeks, that's what, that's, what, that's what you do with a player like this. He plays NRL, goes back, hones his skill a bit more, come forward. I think the fact that there was no reserve grade, mm. it, it sort of put his head under the guillotine a little bit where it, he didn't deserve it. Like you, you threw a guy into the deep end and asked him to swim. Okay, he he didn't swim a hundred in record time, but he he tread water and kept the float. Like he did everything that was asked of him, and I think I, I agree with Griff wholeheartedly. I think you know, like he's he's a purpose built player, and I think had there been reserve grade for him to go back to and just reset things, would have been very different for him this year. I think he was learning. Like, you know, you're learning on the run in the NRL. That's massive. You can't, you can't you can't put anyone's head under the chopping block for that. And yet it sent like it sent like uh, at times I think he got the you know in some of the media outlets he definitely got the the wrong the raw deal. Like he 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 would have gone back to reserve grade, honed the skills, come back and been a better player. That 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 was no one had that this year. And I think that you know I think that that, that was an issue as well. I think you, you bring up the silver lining here for the Roosters and heading into next yeah. year. Oh, yeah. yeah. The young players at the Roosters, because they had so many injuries, they've got game time experience. We saw some of the clubs um, who are resting players towards the end of the, the season try and get these young blokes some game time. Yeah. Next year, you could it's... have young guys coming into teams that haven't played footy for 
it's over a it's, year. It's also a double-edged the sword, they've got, they've got case, but they've, they've got experience it's a double-edged in first sword. grade. It's double-edged sword because some of those guys are going to have to go back to reserve grade and they've got the taste of first grade now. So they're going to tell their management, get me a, get me a contract. You know, get it to me anywhere. So then what the Roosters are trying to do is they're trying to, they're trying to hold on to it. Like when they, we're talking about these kids, they're 19. What about when they're 23? Like that's the, that's the prime. That's when, yeah, that's when a lot of people start. They you could know, be at the Bulldogs. To keep, the Bulldogs sign all those players, don't they? Trying to keep that, trying to keep that, trying to keep all that together is the reason why we're four guys sitting on a podcast yeah. and there's people <laughs> out there doing that. Because I, I got no idea how you do that. Yeah. And look, it's one of those things where for the Roosters, we're going to have to wait till next year. Manly's got next week. Uh, the Panthers have next week, and uh, that's all due to their 8-6 win over the Eels on Saturday night in Mackay. Uh, many are dubbing this the best game of the year. If you're a rugby league purist, you'd love the defensive display from both teams. It was one try each. Uh, the Panthers scored through Capewell, and uh, Wonga Blake got over the line for the Eels. The uh, The main difference was the penalty goal to Nathan Cleary uh, for that high shot on uh, Liam Martin, I think it was, just on the stroke of half time. Um, the Panthers, I'll head to you, Griffo. They got the job done. Uh, they got the win. Para really pushed them to the limit in this game. Some people are starting to say that uh, the Panthers are looking a little bit tired. And there's also been calls from uh, certain members of the media that they need to lift in certain areas, whether it be strike out wide or not allowing some of the forwards like Junior Paul Rigg and Campbell Gillard to... Uh, to be as dominant as they are. What did you take out of this game? What did you think were um, some of the positives, hopefully for Penrith to take out of this week because they've got a big game against the Storm? I think the ultimate positive is they won the game. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's win, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it don't get any more positive uh, than that. Gold. Um I'm actually not being it. flippant there. I, I, I think that was the biggest positive. Yeah. yeah. You're still alive. Okay. You, you're barely alive. Got through by the skin of your, your teeth. And I'm just thinking, I've got no skin on my teeth. I don't know where that saying comes from. Skin of your teeth. I don't know either. It's there's silly, nothing there. No. But, um, uh, maybe that's anyway. the point of the... Uh... Because maybe that's it. maybe yeah. it's like an oh, and, and I, I know mean, it's that, so thin that, that Dan, it's not there, Dan's in the history here. Maybe it was before they had toothbrushes and there was just this film on their teeth. You know, yeah, it might be maybe stopped. in a historic. Yeah, you know, I come from you know it's 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 fifteenth century English where you know. Uh, it would appear to be biblical. So it was it? a it was, okay. it was a win of biblical proportions, Griffo, by the oh. skin of their teeth. So, so <laughs> wow. like uh, Moses. Part in well, the Red Sea last well, well, week. Well, well, yeah, different, different, different Moses, though, I think, who's uh, yeah. on the long side. That's yeah. right. Yeah, of that's, the lineage that's of Moses. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. of the lineage. I don't know whether he's could from part, the... Uh, could part the Red Sea, but couldn't make a toothbrush. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's number one. And that's always going... At the end of the day... Um, who wins and who loses is what really matters in rugby league. All the other stuff is, um, is just filler to, to be honest, because Penrith 
have a game this week. The Eels don't. As and, and, and I'm not saying that to, to put the Eels down because I, I thought they were magnificent, the Parramatta Eels. I'll talk about them. We'll all talk about them a little bit later. But just to answer Graham's question, um, the second biggest positive was Penrith's defence. Um, they were under the pump. Um, you can talk about trainers coming on. You can talk about, you know, Luai. He won't be it. this week. No, he won't. But um, what if they uh, dock his pay because he got suspended, Griffo? Well, he's out for you know he's yeah, out for bonus. the year. <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, he's probably Penrith. not on anywhere near as much as the players no, are. But considering um, his contribution, Penrith should probably be giving him a bonus, as Dan said. Well, he got, he got three Dalian points. <laughs> yeah. Well. No one had ever heard of him before. Well, I, I had because he, he does their, on the Panthers' website, he does their injury update each week. Um, but, but no one else had heard of him, I don't think. But now he's, a, um, he's the most hated man uh, uh, in, in Parramatta. Um, and there, there's plenty of hate, I might say, um, from uh, the level of salt uh, out there on social media um, is immense. Um, but again, I come back to the point that at the end of the day, Penrith won the game and they fight on for another week. Um, irrespective of, of what you can say about we was robbed or, you know, this guy shouldn't have been on there or blah, blah, blah. Um, they won the game. They won it essentially on their defense, um, which was fantastic, as was Parramatta's. Both teams... Um, were magnificent in defence, um, and and that's what that's what won the game. Um, a few times in the second half, uh, Penrith knocked back the opportunity to take two points. It was a gift, a couple of gifts actually, in front of the posts. Um, they knocked back the first one, which was about thirty metres out, and I, I wanted him. I'll be honest, I would have took it, taken the two there because it was a low-scoring game, but they thought they could um, force the issue and get six. You think about the value of, of a you know a try is four points. A penalty goal is half the value of a try. Um, I, I think it was, you know, I would have gone the two points in that game. If you're freewheeling and it's, it, you know, it's the sort of game where there's a lot of tries scored, well, that's different. But this was a... You know, this was uh, this was trench warfare uh, between those two teams, and they were not going to be a lot of tries scored. So I, I think, and I know, I know even Nathan Cleary after the game said, you know, in retrospect, he probably might have made some different decisions, read the two points there. But um, but yeah, they they defended, as did Para. Both teams just gave everything. Both teams uh, scored one try from a kick. Um, and, uh, you know, the defense, it would have given them a lot of confidence moving forward against the Storm. But that defense is not going to hold out the Storm for as long. Para's attack is not of a level anywhere near what the Storm can produce. So while it's, it's great that Penrith were able to defend, they really do need to lift in attack if they're going to be a chance this week. Because mm, you look at the fact here that we've talked about, um, we talked about last week, and again, it, it it's evident. We we were surprised that 
the Panthers didn't run in a try, that they only scored one try off a kick. Um, same thing happened this week. It's been... Now we're looking at a few weeks before the Panthers have actually ran the ball over the line and not scored from a kick. As a neutral fan, Dan, who watches all the games, um, what are you making of the Panthers' attack at, at the moment? Um, obviously, Cleary is, is key there, um, but there's also been some uh, some criticism of their outside backs. Yeah, look, I, I think for, for Penrith... Uh... There obviously is a big concern for them, especially coming up against Melbourne, which we'll get to the preview a bit later, in terms of their attack being a bit flat. Penrith are a a team that when it clicks, it all clicks, and they're unstoppable. Um, And I thought actually that last week in the game against Souths, it was going to start that way with that first um, Cleary insane kick they put in that was Mm. ended up being their only try. And even in the game against Parramatta, their attack in the, the middle third of the field has been really good. They're making metres pretty easily. Um, I thought it was a big game from the forwards from both teams. I, I really thought um, Regan Campbell-Gillard for, for Para had a massive game, um, but was equally matched by you know James Fisher-Harris and, and the forwards of Penrith. They made a lot of metres in that middle third, um, but surprisingly, they, they couldn't quite click uh, when they are in that, in that opposition 20. Uh, and that's something that they will really need to work on. Um, because, as you mentioned, Melbourne are going to score more than six points uh, in the game that they're going to play next week. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's, if it's a matter of they're panicking and they're not going to their regular structures or regular options. Um, we, we can't forget that uh, To'o is, is a, a, with a huge out. Um, yeah. I think he, he, he's been one of their key try scorers this year um, and has been one of those key threats that, if he gets to within five metres of the line, he's going to score more often than not. Um, he's just going to power his way over. So I think that's an area that they've they've been missing. Um, so that's probably an, an area to to look for, for them to look to improve. But that being said, they had a lot of op- opportunities uh, on that game of the weekend. But Parramatta's defence was they they just took it to another level. Um, it was it was really impressive in in how much Parramatta improved. And I think they will probably do a, a assessment of Parramatta in a minute. But I think they'll take a lot out of that. Um, a few key things I thought for Parramatta, I thought Dylan Brown and, and Mitch Moses had two of the best games I've seen them play this mm. year. Um, even though they didn't score that many points, again, that middle third, I thought uh, Dylan Brown was making a lot of moves and, and Moses' kicking game was probably the strongest uh, he's had in, in quite some time. I, I think Parramatta were really missing Reed Marnie, uh, particularly towards the back end of that game there. Uh, Ray Stone tried his heart out, but um, a couple of crucial errors towards the back end of the game were a key difference. Uh, I know, obviously, the trainer issue, should there have been a couple of other penalties, potentially. I still think even if Parramatta get those penalties, they at most tie the game. Whether or not they change that into a win uh, is a different thing, but I think they were missing a bit there. Yeah, and, and, and just to talk about Parashano, um, yeah. Can, been... I just, can I just bring something up for Penrith? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, um, just quickly. Um, I, I think that it's, I think the biggest problem in the last two weeks for Penrith is that their forward pack have been found wanting. Um, to give you an example of this, if you look at the all-run metres from last week, every back got over 100 metres except for Jerome Luai, who got, 50, who got 53. Moses Leota, seven runs, 58 metres. Coruscant, sorry, that's not seven runs. That's uh, that was uh, all runs eight. Sorry, Coruscant six sixty two. Fisher Harris got over 100, 105. 
Liam Martin, six runs for 40 metres. Kirk Capewell, nine runs for 59 metres. Uh, Isaiah Yo, well, he's as safe as houses. I, you know, I spoke about um, Cameron Murray earlier. He's their best I really player, think I, I should have used yeah, him as phenomenal. well. Yeah. Um, Kickow, four runs, 20 metres. Kenny, three runs, 22 metres. Sorensen, six runs, 42 metres. And the only other guy to get over 100 was uh, Tevita Pangai Jr. was 137, it, it 17 runs. Like, I think the problem is, is they're asking their backs to do the hard work. And then when they get within their, when they get in the front third, like Dan was saying, they're gassed. They're, they're gassed. They're, they're asking, they're asking, they're trying to, the thing with Penrith at the moment is Penrith's trying to trick shot. Those stats say to you, those stats say to me that you've got Penrith on their halfway line when they're pushing forward, they're passing out wide to people like Burton and they're trying to get the, the gaps through there. Go back to what works. Go to Martin. Go to Yo. Go to go to what works. They're the guys that over halfway, when you're on the 45 metres out, they're the guys that make the meetings. And Isaiah Yo probably runs through half the time and scores. They're going wide for the trick shot and they're not earning the right to want to get up there. They did it against South and they've done it again against Parramatta. Sorry, Gray, I just want to bring that up. because no, I think that's, that's all right. You make that's, a lost good point. In, that's lost in all the... Like, like what Griffo said, I couldn't have put it better myself. It's lost in the fill. That, 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 that's something that I really think, if Penrith went back to their game plan, mm. big forwards running big metres, they're going to win games. They're going to, they can beat Melbourne. They can do it on the back of that. We'll talk about that later. Sorry, yeah, you, you made a good point, which I was probably going to bring up later, but I think I might talk about it quickly now before we go to para. Because one of the things last week, Griffo, you were critical of was the rotation of the bench, and you had some players... Um, in the game against South Sydney that had limited minutes. You were talking about, hopefully, um, uh, not more equitable, but getting more game time for some of these other blokes on the bench that could make a difference. What were your thoughts this week on how the interchange was used, considering you got an extra couple of interchanges there through um, HIA and so on and so forth? Um, there was the opportunity to have fresh players there and to play big minutes. Did you feel watching the game that it was a better balance this week and use of the bench? Uh, a little better than the previous week. Um, That's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, things were slightly uh, skewed with it's a, it's a different game, like Kikau, for example, who was... He played 29 minutes, but he got injured. He didn't. Yeah. I don't think he saw any game time in the second half from memory um, because he was out of it because of injury. So that threw things a little bit. Um, Moses Leota, he only he's only got 33 minutes there. He's a yardage man. You probably want more out of Moses than 33 minutes. Uh, Fisher-Harris, 54. I think he normally plays a bit more than that. As I said, kick out just the 29 minutes, but that was largely due to injury. Uh, Capewell, 70 minutes. Isaiah Yo is, is an absolute Trojan. He was out there the whole game for 80 minutes, and uh, he, he was the man of the match. Um, it was certainly Penrith's yeah. best. Uh, some, some people from Para might argue whether he was best on ground, but I think he got I, the official I, I man he, of the I match. I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. I, I thought he was out there. Griff, can I ask you a question? Um, looking at what Tavita Pangai Jr. has done the last couple of weeks, especially last week, 
should he be in the starting role and then Liam Martin to the bench? No, I don't think so. Um, I think Panga is an impact player. I was just about to mention it. He got 32 minutes. Well, for mine, that's not enough. Um, not when you're running 100 and uh, 107. No. I mean, he, he packed a lot. 17 hit-ups are 130 and 30. That's a he, lot He of packed work. an awful lot into those 32 Massive minutes. Massive amount of work in short period. That's what I'm um, saying. Imagine that guy starting. Long. He's got a lot of stamina, but a short fuse. That's the best <laughs> Look, way to this describe is the that thing, like, no, That's, Maybe, that's yeah, the worry with, with him. Uh, his yeah. discipline, okay. like he, he, okay, he, gets, yep. cool. he gets baited pretty easily. That's um nice. And you, you don't want him giving penalties away. But, but gee, when he was out there, they were a much better team. Um, he was getting those late offloads. I just think if he's if they're a chance of winning this week, a lot of it's going to come on, on those very broad shoulders of, of Tavita Pangai Jr. I'm liking what, I, what I'm seeing. I thought, apart from Isaiah Yo, I thought he was, he was their best forward. Every team has the 2010 player where you, you put him on in the 20th minute, you take him off in the 60th minute and he, and you know, and then bring him back on in the 70th. Is that Tavita's role at Penrith? Yeah. Look, I just think he is, he is that shock weapon. Yep. Um, but I just think, I think, you know, 32 minutes, I think you could, you could get him going for 40 minutes, like half the game. It was a um, good like I when I read that when I read that yesterday, I couldn't believe it. I thought, no way. That's an error. I thought he was on for far longer than that. But then yeah, it's because when it I watched it when I watched back, it was just it was. I watched that game twice. I watched that game twice. And the second time I really watched it for the podcast. And even then, when I I didn't I purposely didn't look at the stats. I looked at that after the second viewing. And he, and, and you're right, he's involved. He was in and you, and you know what? Doesn't mind a tackle either. No, like what he does for Coruscant now in just covering that middle, he, it, it, it's that perfect team player almost. And you're right about the fuse. Just get that out. Wow. Good, yeah. goodbye. Goodbye, Penrith. Well, yeah. I, I, they need him to fire to be a chance of beating Melbourne. Um, and, uh, yeah, Liam Martin, he was out there for 66 minutes. He's a, you know, we, we had a debate about, you know, should they have rested players? Um, he's really the only guy that didn't get rested. And, like, he's out there for 66 minutes. He only had six runs for 40 metres. Yeah. Um, and now he's yeah. a high-quality player. Yeah. High-quality. But he is probably the guy that, um, uh, he's really would have benefited, I guess, from a little bit more of a rest. Mm. Um, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen now. There's no rest. Um, but I would like to see those numbers improve this week. Uh, six and, runs for four and, and didn't set and didn't set the world alight with the tackles. I think thirty odd. 30, 29, yeah, 30, 30, and, uh, 30, 30 tackles. Yeah, I thought because yeah. everyone else had sort of tackled in the mid to high 30s. Look, and I, I, yeah, I well, he he's an edge, he's an edge player, so he's not, he's not going to make, yeah. make as many tackles. But, 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 you know, okay, if you're not making that many tackles, you've got to be making that yeah. many runs. You know? I agree. It, it's, it's, I agree. It's, it's, that's what I thought. You know, oh, he didn't have that many runs. I, he might have 46 tackles. 
And then when you're seeing 30, well, then, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think you know that team far better than I ever will, Griff, so I'm not going to uh, talk about Penrith here, but, yeah, you're right. And, and saying all that, and, you know, the majority of these guys, they're not at their best at the moment no. for whatever reason, and there are reasons for some, um, but they got the game, they won the game. Mm. And, and that was the objective. Now, I, I won't go into this week's game because we're going to do that later. But, uh, um, yeah, at the, at the end of that game, the feeling was relief, to be honest. Yeah. Well, we, we got there. The full time was – I was so – you know, when Junior Polo dropped that ball, because there was still about 30 seconds and maybe – Did you, drop the, plus did you drop the dumbbell at that point? Uh, no, I, I, that just gave me extra strength. Um, <laughs> um so, yeah, look, that, that was a massive relief because you knew once that ball went down, there's probably – they could have had another – you know, it, it wasn't the end of the set. Anything could have happened. Um, they, they'd held them out for a few sets there. To their credit, power just absolutely pressured them. They were getting repeat sets. Um, any score and power wins the game because uh, uh, they weren't going to get the ball back at that point in time, um, it would have been game over if Parramatta had across the stripe. Um, and I would have been feeling rather <laughs> ill for the last uh, yeah. however many days it's been, five days. But um, yeah. yeah, it's amazing what a difference two points can make in a game of rugby league to, uh, to what goes on afterwards. Yeah, and it's all, it's all relative and you, you put it in perspective. Um, what sums up for me how Parramatta, obviously, you know, you said it was relief. Uh, a lot of not only Penrith fans, but NRL fans expected Penrith to get through that game. Parramatta fans were, were quietly confident, but people weren't giving them a lot of a lot of hope. Uh, what sums it up, I think, was the day after the game, my neighbor's a big Parramatta fan, and he was wearing his Parramatta jersey the next day. And I had a chat to him about the game, and he said, oh, look, he said, bit gutted because we got close, but he said, so proud. And he goes, I can wear my jersey today with pride because we showed that we were, you know, there or thereabouts. We pushed Penrith and, you know, it's unfortunate that we lost, but very proud. And the word proud's come up a lot. I just want to get your thoughts, Dan, because you've listened to this podcast. And if you go back a few weeks, some of the things that were being said on this podcast about Parramatta, um, I think if you go to the week before the, the Melbourne game, you know, we were talking about them having no chance. People were writing them off. I think uh, some of the members on this podcast may have used Parramatta and Junk in the same sentence. This is a team who on the weekend we saw could very well, very likely have beaten the Panthers, who have been one of the measuring sticks of the competition. What are your thoughts on on where we had Parramatta and you know were, were the fans listening to the podcast of the same opinion? Were we a bit harsh? Or did they just, you know, live for this performance? What were your thoughts? It's been such a mixed bag for Parramatta in that they've underperformed in games that they should have been comfortable in. And then not that they've overperformed, but they have lifted, you know, in the games against top opposition. You know, Melbourne have had, what, three losses all year. And two of those were to Parramatta. Um, yeah. So Parra would, have really, the Parra would have really backed themselves in had they gotten through the Panthers. Uh, they would have had that confidence. Um, so... 
I can understand a Parramatta fan's perspective at being proud. Um, and if I'd, you know, if I'd seen my team lose in those circumstances, which may well happen this week, I'd hope not. I hope we win in, in far more comfortable circumstances. Uh, but, you know, I would, you can be proud of that performance. The challenge for Parramatta going forward is how far can they keep being, quote-unquote, proud of performances without premiership success? Um, it, it's a real challenge for them in that, you know, last year they would have been disappointed because they went out in straight sets in the finals um, in a year that they should have done better. The year before, they were um, a fair bit behind the pace, if I recall. At a certain point, it was really interesting um, watching uh, one of Channel Nine summary videos where Andrew Johns was doing a season review of the Newcastle Knights, and he was asked, "Do the Knights pass or fail this year?" And his quote was, "Any year that you don't win the comp is, is a failure. Um, that's the ultimate objective." And so for Parramatta, it's this challenging moment with: Do they see that they've got enough next year to actually push to win the competition? Or are they going to be making up this top-ish four mix and they can just have another proud performance? Um, you know, I, I can understand that they would have felt a little bit hard done by by the game on the weekend. I do think they should t- certainly be proud of the performance they had. Uh, they do have some young guns uh, coming through. Again, I've got to be biased there. I thought uh, Will Penasini uh, out in the centres had, had a very strong game. and I was really pleased to see him. Oh, I thought he was well. great. Yeah. I've got oh, to ask you about that, Dan. Yeah. You, you would I have he's great. again. He's a guy that you know and and would have seen play a bit of of uh, at least rugby union. What can you tell us about Penasini? Because he looks yeah, he, uh, he looks good. He was one that was, and it was probably going back to the point before where everyone was talking about Joseph Suwali. Um, and I think a few of us who knew them said, "Well, we can talk about Suwali, but really, a lot of the talk should be about Penasini. He's he's probably got mm. that almost more all round natural rugby league game." Um, Joseph Suwali has the size and has probably that extra flair. Um, but I think Will is a, a, a more solid can, player. Um, can I and, just uh, say, Dan, to you, and, and just to put it right in my mind, I, I spoke with someone a few weeks ago about Penasini and just what I'd seen in junior football and, and sort of on tapes and sort of, you know, through things. I, I said, Suwali's got the football body. Penasini has a football brain. He's yep. just, he's just, he's just, he's just got, but you know, where, where, you know, he looks more like a footballer now than he yep. did. I think it's fair to say yep. he's now grown into his body where Stawali's got the football body. He has the football brain. I just, I just think that's valuable. And I, I agree. I'm glad you said that because a few yep. people said, nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, no, nah, seriously, he is the guy to watch. And I think like, even from my perspective, from a schoolboy level, um, you know, Suwali through the Roosters was a little bit protected in his involvement in schoolboy footy in that he was pretty much not involved in a lot of schoolboy union towards the end there um, because he was mainly training with the Roosters and they wanted him, whereas Will, you know, was was captaining his school, captaining them to a, a premiership. So he's got that additional, you know, and it's not an easy competition, the one that he's in um, for the schoolboy one. So to, to captain his side and to lead them through in a side that, you know, probably had not the strongest team on paper. Um, I think he, he brought that experience in. So I was really pleased to see him do well for Parramatta. Yeah, so they do, they, they do have a, a lot of young guns. Like I said, Dylan Brown had one of his best performances that I've seen. Uh, they know they've got Marnie back. I think they do have some of the players um, there that can make it. Probably the question for Parramatta is, is probably around the coaching. Um, is that Brad Arthur, I know it's been up and down. Um, and I think, again, it was a, a solid year. Um, but how many solid years can they have uh, when when only half of the people on this podcast have been alive to see a Paramount Premiership? Well, well, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Though. And, you know, I, I, want, I want to just say 
to the people listening on our gallery view, we're on the one side that have seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got like the, yeah, the those 80, are so those are seven so, models here. Are, I did, yeah. We yeah. Just missed um, yeah. But but I I I also want to want to say, I was talking to a power fan I know, and, and I thought he put it really. He didn't put it eloquently because there was a few words in there, but he did put it in a really good way where he said, look, after the game, he was salty. He's like far out. And, you know, he, 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 and, and I like, like, like I can, you know, you can talk about certain offsides that, you know, at, at some point you've got to just blow the penalty. You can't just keep doing six again. Okay. They get two points. I don't think they win the game. I really don't. I don't, I, I agree with you, Dan, wholeheartedly. They don't, I don't think they win the game. I think in the end of the day in the grind, um, people like Cleary produce something. The cream rises to the surface. I think, I think what he was saying, he was saying like he was salty. Then he was proud. Now he's a bit bemused by it all because he's like, well, hang on. We, 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 we had so many opportunities to win that game. So many opportunities just to put Penrith to bed. And it didn't happen. And he's like, well, you know, you can get angry at certain situations in the game. But at the end of the day, you're only in control of what you, you live and die by the decisions you make on the field. And there were certain decisions that Parramatta made that they zigged when they should have zagged. They didn't take the line on the way they should have. You know, Paulo... Paulo got a fine when he shouldn't have, but anyway, it's another story and probably didn't make the best of his opportunity. I think I agree with you in a little bit where it's like, well, you can be proud all you want, but at the end of the day, next, what does next year look like for Parramatta? Next year looks the same as it did last year. Didn't, weren't they here last year? Weren't they here the year before? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it all looks the same for Parramatta. I I like that they've got a good young centre. I said it a few weeks ago. I think they're a, I think they're a quality centre short. I really think now they've got to... If with Marnie back, I think they've just got to look at... They need, they need someone in that forward pack who's almost like a 5'8". A ball-playing lock that can just run like a 5'8". Because Nathan Brown... Sorry. So um, Brown's his own being like he what he does on the field sometimes you go all right you just do it and with Moses I just think you need someone in that 13 and I I you know my belief on the spine I think the 13 should be included in the spine you just need that guy who's able to sweep around run past the ball who can play the ball well look at the 13s for the finals coming up yeah Cameron Murray, yeah yeah, yeah 100%. Jake Travojevic yeah. um you know Isaiah Yo who's probably the Almost the pick of that group, and, and Dale Finucane. You know, I, I think Finucane's probably the most strongest ball runner, I, but I just the think, rest are all I, ball players. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, I think when I talk about a footballer's spine now, uh, the, the the spine of a club, I I go one six seven nine thirteen. Because do I think have, thirteen. Do you think Paramount have anyone who could fit that at the moment? No, or they, they have need to, to buy. To They've got to go to the market. What about Matt, Masson? I look. I honestly thought when they got Cartwright, he might do it. And 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 and, I, and you talk about the coaching. Like if I was the coach, I'm not an NRL coach. I'm just a punter on the podcast. But but if I was if I was the if I was at Parramatta, I'd be saying to to Cartwright, "Do you want to submit your spot in this team, mate?" 
What you've got to do is get, we'll get we'll get a halves coach in. Funnily enough, they've binned Brett Kenny, told Brett Kenny to to piss off. They don't. What want does he him. know about being a half? Yeah, what does he know about being a half or playing? <laughs> he's what no, what like does he know about winning premierships? His, he offered his service <laughs> last half when they won a premiership, wasn't he? And yet they eight. told yeah. him where to go this week. Sorry, Brett, we don't want you anywhere near the club. Oh. And yet you go, hang on. Imagine if you said to Brett Kenny, yeah, you can come with us. We want you to work with this guy and we want you to turn him into a 5'8". Oh, but he's not a 5'8". We know he's not a 5'8". But if we can get him to pop ball play and we can get him on sweeping backline moves and we can get Gutherson to attract attention and then he flicks the ball wide to the wingers, we have tries. We have what Manly do. We've got what South do. We've got what Penrith do and we have what what the Storm do. Although Storm don't do it too much with Sanukin. They do it with their second rows. It doesn't matter. It works. Do you think, do you think a, a Tarek Sims would be a good pickup? Well, he's a, guy, he's a guy that's out there. I, I don't know whether he's now got the pace to just get on the outside of that man. Like, if he's got to make 30 tackles, 35 tackles, because Reed Marnie will do a lot of the tackling in the middle, does he have the pace to just run to that ball on the outside of the man and then throw it on? I... Yeah, that's just that's all they're missing, in my opinion. And yet they've got the they've got the they've got the play though. They've just got to produce something, you know. It's almost Thank like you. they're a couple of years behind, aren't they, Griffo? Like, I know you're going to say something there. Sorry to cut you off, but just you're before right. we finish off there with talking about that lock position at Parramatta, the trend a couple of years ago was that real power game where effectively you had your two props and yeah. your lock was almost like you had a third prop. prop. You had a third. Like, you Burgess. Yeah, mm. that. Oh, tell Malolo. Yeah, yeah, whereas now we're starting to see that shift, as we said to those ball players. It's almost like, as Dan said, with the with the coaching, you sometimes feel like Brad Arthur's waiting to see what the top teams do, and he goes, "Oh, sweet, we'll do that next year." And by the time he jumps on, I board, heard the he's game's getting a wrestling. I heard he's getting a wrestling coach for next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've we've mentioned Reed Marnie, and he was a massive oh. loss for them. Um, when you compare what he can do out of dummy half to to poor old Ray Stone, who, who is a really good defender and he's as hard as, well, he is hard as Stone. He's, he's a granite man, but he's got granite hands as well. Um, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't make yeah, a decision yeah. on who to pass to with a minute to go when you need it. Yeah, look, he, he um, poor fella. He should never have been in that position. But, um, but it's, it's like we say about qualities. Same with the Gold Coast last week. Yeah, but the other guy that we haven't mentioned, who adds to their attack immensely, is is Mikasivo. Um, now, last mm. week, Parramatta's outside backs have de- defended better than they have probably in the last ten years, mm-hmm. um, and that was a big improvement in their game. Was because their outside backs have been awful in defence for most of the year. Uh, they got it right last week. Um, probably when Seville comes back, there's going to be uh, you know potential again for, for teams to target. But what Seville does is he scores a lot of tries, uh, particularly from close range. When they were attacking that Penrith line, they didn't have that power out wide like Seville, who can just run all, literally run over the top of guys and get a try. So um, he's also good in the air, Seville, um in an attacking uh, situation. So um, they also missed him. Um, 
I think they've had a good year overall. Uh, they did have that very dark patch um, late in the season. But um, to be able to turn it around, because they were awful, awful. And um, and then they, they won a game against the Melbourne, a full-strength, pretty much full-strength Melbourne Storm, which no one saw coming. They put up their reserve-grade side in round uh, 25 against the Panthers. And they came out and beat Newcastle. Um, and they took Penrith right down to the wire. So um, for those Parramatta supporters, proud and, and understandably and, and definitely deservedly so of their team. Do they get better next year? I don't know if they do. Uh, you know, um, we talked a few weeks ago and I said that, you know, I think this, this 16 team comp- competition is made up of three divisions. And, um, and, and uh, did I have Parramatta in the first division? I wasn't sure. And I, I, I do think they, they are one of the first division teams in a, in a three-tier competition at the moment. They prove that, that they can match it with the best. Um, but I, I don't know if, if they can go through a semifinal series where they'd have to win um, three games to be premiers. I don't know if they can do that. I agree stage. with you, Griffo. I agree. I think the key thing here is consistency. Round 21, South beat them 40 to 12. And then all of a sudden, Manly just belted them 56-10. You know, all of a sudden, you know, 32-16, they beat the Cowboys. I think uh, the week before the every, South game, don't forget, they got dusted by the Everyone's Roosters. done. Yeah, and everyone's done that. Then they beat the they beat the Storm, 22-10. They get belted by Penrith again, 40-6. to That was their reserve grade team. To be yeah, I know there. that. I know yeah. that. But then fast forward, like, they're... they're yeah, their their consistency looks like someone's heart rate monitor. It just goes like you know, it just goes up and down. And I I think that's half the problem with Para. They can't build like look at Manly. Like people, a lot's been made about. Oh, you know, and I'll talk about it when we start talking about the the game. Yeah, you know, Manly have to lose one to win three. That's what that's their that's their sort of sequence at the moment. Lose one, win three. Lose one, win three. Lose one, win four. Lose one, win three. That's what they're at at the moment. Those three building games are what build pressure. You know, the slip-up is negated by the fact they've won three before that. South Sydney have won a massive amount on the trot and then by they won eight by 30. Penrith on the trot. Man, no, Melbourne on the trot. The games that the people that are left have won games on the trot. Well, we lost one to Melbourne, so if we can win the next three, I'll be pretty happy. That, that, and that's it. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. That's my, That was going to be my point, is that you're yeah. going to win the grand final because it, it, the pattern says you have yeah, the to. Pattern, but yeah, the pattern, then we'll lose the trial start next year. Yeah, that's, that's, fine. that's uh, You know what? And as someone who sort of likes maths and that, that's actually churning me up inside when I think about that. It's, it's, it's ever, when, I found, when I figured it out, it actually made me vomit. Um, but... Um, th- Para can't do that. Para will win two, lose two. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose one. We're in a competition where if you win half your games, you're in the eight. And that's the problem with with Para. Until they find a means to win five in a row, lose one, then win another five. So you're sort of like 11 and one or you're you're 11 and two, 11, three even. Until they get that kind of 
chunk in their game where at the end of the year they've lost six, they're, they're going to be cannon fodder in, in finals football. And I take my hat off to them what they did. I just think that it, it, it was more the exception to the rule that, that game. That, that was, okay, they had a good defensive moment. I, I think there was a lot of attacking deficiencies in Penrith that, that they're going to fix up next week. I, I think it was more about Parramatta probably. That was the game that was the exception to the rule. They got up. They had a good week. Everyone had a good sleep. You don't live for that. They, they might have had sausage sandwiches. You know, like me, I, I always fire, you know, you know, if you want me to, you know, if you want me to watch the game and be on point, give me a sausage sandwich on at lunch with 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 sauce and onion. I'm sweet. You know, that that's the thing. Like, yeah, but they could have had the perfect day. The problem is. All they need is a mozzie bite to, to lose it by 40. And, and yeah, I, I think when you look at the teams that are coming through, um, I'm not giving any previews away yet, but Parramatta, um, whilst they, 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 have some, they have some good things going for them, they, they have some issues. Yeah, so look, realistically, just to wrap up last week's footy, um, if we're looking forward... You look at the four teams that are left in the competition. We've got the top four teams. Uh, no one can argue that the four the teams. The system left. works yet again, Gray. Well, the system does work. We might have uh, two matchups here that we didn't expect. Um, look, uh, the the Rabbitohs Panthers game threw a spanner into the works, uh, as people are saying. We can't have a grand final replay. That's the big talk this week. Uh, but before we get back on the field and talk about what's happening on the field, we might have to catch up with Shano and see what's been going on a little bit off the field and um, catch up and see what's going on with Shano's tidbits. What you got this week, brother? Oh, mate. Jeez, the man that can have more F-bombs than you know what to do with, Michael Maguire. I thought Mr. you were talking about me three weeks ago on the podcast. <laughs> nah. Or, or in we're the going to call you, we're going to call you, Madge. Yeah. Um, he, he lives to fight another day. He's got his contract. Yeah. There's a lot of stipulations. What I find very interesting is um, there's, a few, there's a few stipulations that's been placed into his contract. Um that, that, that he wanted, that he wanted originally, that he wants involvement. So it, it, whilst on the surface, it's like, it feels like the, the Tigers are throwing him a lifeline. I think what's actually happened is, is that they've now come to the realisation that really his vision to begin with was actually probably the way they, um, really probably the way they should have gone down in the first place. The, my, the biggest problem there is going to be in the back room. It's funny. Uh, the first person that endorsed his, 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 uh, his one year, well, eight weeks grace period was Robbie Farrow. You know, when you've got stuff like this going on, that's really the junk that's, that, stops, um, that stops the Tigers going forward. Um, I know I'm going to stuff this up because I practiced it, got it right. Now I'm not going to get it right. When you look at the Tigers chair, uh, Lee Haggy Patelis. Hadji Patelis. Yes. I always a little bit. Hadji Patelis. Um, it's funny, like he he spoke about the the leaking of information that could only happen at a board level. They've still got board issues. And and like we say, you know, the good clubs don't have this. So even though Maguire's got this little grace period, I think until they fix up the junk that's up the top, 
they're going to have a lot of issues. But, um, you know, look, to their credit, they did they did what I thought they were going to do. I thought it was common sense rugby league to keep him on. When you look at what he's done previously, when you look at what he's done uh, to, to shore up certain things, they do have the biggest junior base now. They've got, they've got building a centre of excellence. I thought that, yeah, you know, that, that's good. And that's all I want to say about that because, you know, that quite frankly, the Tigers annoyed the daylights out of me. Right. Funny you should say that, Shane. Because in a week where we're leading up to the prelim oh, no. finals, oh, most no. most of the airplay on uh, rugby league related uh, programs or in the papers has been about the Tigers, and they've got nothing to do with no. September football. And you know what it is? Well, it's because- that's that's Griff. It's it's, it's four. Following off a mural's wedding, it's actually four weddings and a funeral. That's uh, we've got the, the four <laughs> weddings yeah. and the, yeah. the teams in the yeah. final yeah. funerals. It's, like, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and you know what the problem is? And this is it. It's because people are like, oh, we're going to get Robbie Farrow to comment. Does, does he endorse it? Well, who cares? Who gives a flying f bomb? Farrow. If flying Farrow. If flying Farrow. Yeah. If if he if he if he cares, like you know, I think, he, I think he's involved, Shane. I think he's he a is. trainer. He is a trainer. That Griffo. That's the that you've hit the nail on the head. He is the he's a trainer. Too much involved. He is a trainer. <laughs> he is Graham, What's a trainer get paid, mate? Not well, enough. If you're a Panthers so trainer, like twenty. Yeah. Seriously, I'm not joking. The guys, the guy, than, what, the I'll guys, tell you what. Less than a less than a um than a school teacher. Yeah, like mate, I'm telling you now that they get paid pittance, and all they are is they're the people. You know why they do it? Because they're a part of the club. They also go out and help with coaching. And no doubt he's a coach and does all these other things. What Robbie Farrow, why? Just, they've got it. you know what? I, I can hear a frozen song in my head when it comes to the Tigers. And, and they're well, going to sing they're, again this week, Sean. Oh, no. here he goes. No, I got, I got, I got, I got ribbed, so I'm not going to, I'm going to shut up. We liked your singing last week. We got we some did. feedback on yeah, that. Yeah, that's all right. Well, thank you. has got talent. <laughs> <laughs> do not know about that um i've lost my train of thought now you're talking about oh, uh, <laughs> Farrah. yes uh, Farrah and uh mcmanus right mcmanus let's talk about mcmanus as we know uh, mcmanus was uh was filing a court case that uh, about five days ago looked like it was going to receive a lot of um a lot of steam uh that steam's totally gone now thomas the tank's been put to bed um, he th- that court case will not go ahead in regards to his concussion. Why is that important? Because if the court case got fast tracked, people like uh, Badiris was going to get involved. Um, uh, Wayne Bennett was going to get asked to front. So, and they just didn't know. So it now looks like that that that's that's all been um, put to rest. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting impasse for the NRL because. Had that gone through to the courts, it may have opened the floodgates. Um, for what, from what I understand and from what I've heard, um, I'm no lawyer, so please don't take this as any type of legal advice. But, but the contractual um, situation that he was under at Newcastle at the time really did stipulate that he was playing rugby league. So, it, it, it's sort of for now. In, for now, it's okay. It's all settled. That they're not going to go to court. Um, 
it does put this kind of thing in a holding pattern. I think what the NRL are doing with shoulder charges, and a lot of people said, oh, shoulder charges and high tackles, and if you get hit in the head, your HIA, the game's gone soft. I think, the, I think they've got it right. I really do in this regard when you see what's happened there. Uh, Anthony Milford. Um, the MILF. Uh, 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 I didn't take long, did it? No, yeah. no, it, I wasn't going to mention it, but oh, I thought, right. no, it, out of respect to to the women who who listen to this podcast, he deserves to get a mention because you grow it, it will potentially, allegedly, allegedly um, grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the big thing is at the moment, um, the, the 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 Broncos came out very quickly and said he no longer belongs to our club. His obligation finished when he <laughs> finished. Yeah, playing out, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, South Sydney says he hasn't taken up uh, his position in purgatory at club. Right. <laughs> I believe he's we, in limbo. I believe we call that. He's in limbo. Broncos are throwing a hospital pass. That's <laughs> right. The big problem with this is American Pie have distanced themselves from him as well. <laughs> yes, as they should. They the say he's problem. not a real MILF. No, no, most definitely not. Um, the big problem with this is, um, is that. Usually what happens in this regard when it goes before the integrity, it will go before the integrity commission because he is actually licensed to the NRL, regardless of when contracts begin. He, you have to be registered and you have to be licensed as part of that goes before the integrity commission. When it goes before the integrity commission, 99% of the time, the club will provide some form of, re- of, of representation. We'll help with that. Um, the, the Dragons helped with the DeBellin case. They brought DeBellin in. DeBellin told them the story, and the Dragons helped with that. Uh, from what we hear from South Sydney, South Sydney have basically got numerous get-out clauses in the contract that basically state that his behaviour is one of them. He may not, he may not actually... If if this if it comes to pass, he gets charged. He he most definitely won't play for South Sydney. I, th- I think because, he has been charged. Shane. Well, if it's it, 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 contract is being, being charged, and I think okay. I heard I heard it depends on the charge itself. I know that the charge he got the other day, as, as a lot's got to go through with that. I'm I'm no lawyer, so I'm not going to start yeah, to talk about that. But if he gets charged for 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 what we think he might get charged for. There's a number of clauses South Sydney put into the contract. He may actually, that might be torn up before he actually sets foot in Redfin. That actually means that in regards to the NRL, no club is actually going to help him with any type of representation. He has to, he has to do that purely off his own bat. That would mean that then he has to find a new club to play football at. I think if this, if what happened ends up being what happened. It, it, it could just spell the end for him in Australia. He's, he's done, I, yeah. I can't see him. South Sydney put that many stipulations in his contract. If the guy farts west, he's out. So, you know, like he's he's in trouble. Like I I, I, I just brought it up yeah. because I thought, well, it's in the media. Why not? I don't, I hate, I hate giving any airtime to these type people, but you're innocent until proven guilty. And, um, yeah, it's it's just the way it's just the way it is. So, look, just, just before we leave that, mm-hmm. if he was, you know, Joe Nobody, mm-hmm. um, 
who did whatever, you know, let's say exactly the same thing. One, we wouldn't hear about it. Two, they wouldn't have a club um, supporting them in some way, whatever way that may be. So um, the onus is on every human. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To do yeah, yeah, the right yeah, yeah. thing. That's it. That's it. It's you know, it's got like, clubs get dragged into it. I know. Because, I hate it. Yeah, I these hate guys it. are public oh, figures. What did because and it was funny, like he was Broncos player. So the Broncos released a media statement to say, no, he doesn't play for us anymore. So now yeah, he's they won't watch South anymore, Sydney, no, South Sydney player. South Sydney said, Well, he hasn't played for us yet. He hasn't he hasn't ever started training with us yet. So it's now, and yep. the NRL, well, they've got so many fingers in pies. There's not going to be NRL player. And that's the thing. Just be a human. Just don't exactly. be a grub. The He's Anthony th- Milford, human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I fully agree. I, I, I would like to see a situation where if you do something that contravenes law, common law, whether that be state or federal, like breaking I think, COVID protocols and I think, I kissing think you, a female I think, rugby league I th- player. I would love, I would love for you to be instantly removed from 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 the owners of that club, and you are you. Rugby league player Graham Watson did this. Not weapon. No, not not. not <laughs> you know, like not. Now, how many times you see it? Now, so-and-so superstar or Panther superstar, Rabbitoh superstar, Seagull it's, superstar. It's the media. It's, it, it gives unfair, like, it almost says that the culture of that club condones it. And I think that's so unfair. Like, we've, we've got women in league round. And I think a lot of clubs, look, I do think there's a couple of clubs that have taken the piss when it comes to that. I think they've, they should have told players where to go. And, and I won't shy away from that i think if you've done something you can be sorry to your blue in the face you have to own it and um you have to you know you, you have to show remorse and you have to learn your lesson hard and if learning your lesson hard means you're fired we're fired we we all work in education we know if we do certain things we're fired and we're criminals and i think that there's i think there's this idea of a shelter around them that I would just love to see broken. Uh, and anyway, I, I digress. I'll talk about tidbits. <laughs> I've gone too far, but yeah, he's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is, it is, uh, yeah, it's just an annoying situation. Um, look, I think all our other tidbits we're going to talk about in team news. Um, yeah, I think we're going to talk about in team news. So, um, well, just um, just want to make a comment on the McManus situation. Yep. And brought it up. Yeah, no. Um, it's a tough one because, number one, I do feel for this guy that he's obviously got some health issues um, related to injuries he's sustained. So, first and foremost, you know, I wish the guy all – yeah, most definitely. I wish him a healthy yeah. life. I think, I think he's only been, in his mid thirties. Yeah, advanced. He's got. They're predicting advanced dementia, and um, premature Parkinson's on the card. That's 
that's rubbish. <laughs> you know, like you do yeah. not want that as you, you don't that's, want that. Yeah, and it's basically the same the of life. CTE conversation yeah. that a lot of the NRL, uh, sorry, the NFL players in America are, are pushing mm. for. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So on a personal level, you know, I, I just wish the guy a, a happy oh, yeah. life. Yeah, you do. Like, yeah. You just hope that, that somehow a healthy life plus plus time and technology sort of equal equal that you know equal quality of life yeah you know, that's that's what you want um just on health something i was remissing uh massive fortnight for the nrl in more ways than one they're going to have to come up with a covid strategy that 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 covers multiple states including states like South Australia, if they're going to go there, and Melbourne, if they're going to go there for State of Origin plus New Zealand. Um, I personally can't see them getting out of any other situation than every player must be vaccinated. Um, It's going to cause concern. I think it's actually going to cause a few issues. I I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to mandate that every player become vaccinated at the very least a vaccinated player will that will get more. And I think at the end of the day, unvaccinated players might find it difficult to get starts at clubs. Um, I brought this up in a small forum of people I know. Um, they said that's discrimination. I'll talk to you about rugby league. Rugby league discriminates against skill. So don't talk to me about discrimination. Rugby league just also has a numerous, numerous clubs have no dickhead policy. When you start talking about vaccines, I'm telling you now, if I was playing at a club and I was a vaccinated player, I would want to see every person I come in contact with regarding that club fully vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't cry when you don't have a club to play for. Don't cry when you can't go to England because they won't let you over there. You won't be able to play in Queensland if you're New South Wales club. You won't be able to play in New South Wales if you're a Queensland player. You won't be able to go to New Zealand. You won't be able to go to play in places like Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne. You're going to have to get with the program and get vaccinated. That's all I've got, Gray. I agree 100%. We work in a job where we have to be vaccinated if we want to work. And rightly so. Health workers work in a job where they have to be vaccinated, and rightly so. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's your right. Apparently, Volandis and Abdo have been... The biggest problem is health is a state-run thing. Abdo and, and Volandis has been very heavily in negotiations with, with the federal government and saying, can you mandate... Like, like like, the state government have with teachers, a public health order that if you're an elite sports person, you must get vaccinated. If you're going from certain, if you're going from, from state to state to state and overseas as a sports person, you must get vaccinated. The minute it becomes a public health order, it's game over. They have to get, it's, it, it's like you'd have no choice. It's how law. Many, how many I, players, I think, I think though, it, do we think are not going to get vaccinated if they said they had to? I, I do think there is a, a significant portion of, of players. Yeah, um, I do too. That, that are in that. Well, what at I one think, stage, 
What was the thing? Yeah. Uh, and, and Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they said, oh, if we can go in line with the health, so if we can get 80% of our players vaccinated, we'd be happy. And it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. There, there is, I think there is a significant movement. And I do think, unfortunately, this issue is obviously going to be leapt on uh, by people from, from both extremes to, to make a case and make an argument for it. Um, you're going to see a lot of involvement from outside influences who don't actually care about rugby league. I think... <laughs> Hitching, yeah, you know, hitching, hitching their wagon to it. I think an easy solution for the NRL is like, hey, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine, but you're also not allowed to have tattoos in that case. And I think that would solve the problem. If you're concerned about needles wow. and you're concerned about that, that's fine. Um, so if you're unvaccinated <laughs> and have no tattoos, you're good. Never if, you, if you've got tattoos, you have to have wow. the vax. And I think that solves 99% of the problem there. Jeez. 100%. I like but, it. You know, when you look at policies like... You know, we, we, we work in an industry, like you guys said, like we have to be vaccinated, but we also work in an industry where we've got to, you know, basically to, to go to the loo, we've got to fill out a risk assessment. We've got to have policies on everything. You know, I we've know got to wait for lunch. <laughs> but no, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, you can't go, you know. Technically, Sorry, the NRL, because just, of just the prevalence of... Mind slight, yourselves for a minute. No, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not taking the piss yeah. here. It's half no, a no, piss take, but like yeah. the NRL technically, they would have in their archives a sunsafe policy. They'd have to show we're scheduling X amount of games at night. We're ensuring that there are facilities for this, that, and the other because of the prevalence of skin cancer in Australia. Flip-flop pre- flap. Well, yeah, they're exactly. helping the, they're, they're the, helping the Broncos COVID, out for years. That's uh, why the Broncos in the Sunshine State got every Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> but... Uh, I know it was half a piss take that example, but... No, it's true. It is true. It's 100% correct, Ray. You're right. Yeah, I I think, look, when it comes down to it, I don't know. I don't know if it's one of those things where... It's hard because people say it comes with the territory. Uh, If you want to be an elite player, you you know, it's a personal... It's hard. You know what I said to this... You know what I said to this group I was talking to? Okay. Now, I'm not... Now, I, I don't, I'm no, Graham, you're the resident sports scientist here. There we go. I can imagine, okay, the legal junk they throw into their bodies, you know, to, to, to pick them up, to, 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 they to train. They would take to, a supplement yeah, from a you know, trainer like, without questioning what it is. Yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. Yes. That, you know, is it what's legal? The yes. Does it improve performance? The junk yes. that's in that. Yeah. And yet they go, oh, a vaccine. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you take all just, this if, junk on a daily basis. Peptides. Just to pick if we just rebrand it as a peptide, we're good. Yeah, yeah that's peptides. Right. You know what Anyone I mean? the sharks just, is a non-vaxxer. Hey, <laughs> Pfizer. You know what? For a lot of them, I reckon when they see the Pfizer P, they go. They, they see the Pfizer. This is what you're having today. Pure pep, the peptide. I'll chuck it in. That's just, fine. Just, just, just have Des tell them it's calves blood, and they're good. You to know go. what? It should be. Imagine the Pfizer Pfizer Premiership. I, yeah, I've got <laughs> AstraZeneca <laughs> cup. AstraZeneca cup. <laughs> New midweek you competition. You see it, can't you? Moderna, <laughs> oh, Moderna, the, the Moderna sideline eye. I just, I just think it's actually bar. pretty oh, simple. Oh. Sorry, Griff. You've Sorry, got mate. a choice. If you want to play rugby league and be able to represent your club in a variety of different parts of Australia and internationally, you've got to get on a plane. Yep. Now, if your choice is to not get the vaccine, which means you can't get on a plane, depending on which club you play for, you might be out for half of the year. 
Now, I think it's pretty simple. Whatever reason you don't want to get vaxxed, be it culture, religion, perceived health, whatever, that's your right. Don't get vaxxed. But you're also making the decision, I'm getting a new career because I can't play rugby league at an elite level because to do that, I have to go to Brisbane. I have to go to Auckland. I have to go to Townsville, Melbourne, on a plane. And they won't let me on the plane. Therefore, I can't represent my club for most of the, or for a significant portion of the year. Mm. Therefore, um, I can't do my job. Well, that's okay, because not getting the vax is more important to me than doing my job. Therefore, I don't have a job, not yeah. as a rugby league player. They could, they could play for Canberra, because Canberra love a good road trip. They do. Hey. Don't they? Ricky, Ricky, Ricky loves getting them on Bro, the bus. Uh, actually, hey, Ricky, let's go on the bus. He's the first one. He's on the front seat. They're on the bus. I heard this morning that uh, he loves it, doesn't he? He's like, let's have a road trip. They actually just on Canberra. I I was listening to something this morning, this morning, and they they were talking to Lee Hadjipantelis, the Tigers chairman, who's also you know a lawyer for he he leads um, uh, Bryden's lawyers. Yes, and and this was raised, and he said. you know, he talked about this this legality issue and that they can't get on a plane. They talked about the Canberra Raiders, who most of the time um, they actually take a plane to the game. It's only last year that they were catching buses to Campbelltown in that COVID period, but they actually get a plane to pretty much every away game that they go to, and. They have a prominent. I don't think the best of Ricky now. I thought it was because Ricky loved the road trip. You just blown no, that, Griffo. No, sorry, but I'm sorry to, oh. to disappoint you, Shane. I, I, you know, there was, was a Ricky's time in my life trip. where where I was deflated when I saw that the wrestling was wasn't drawing, real. I was Seven drawing cartoons of Ricky and the. So I know how seat. you feel. Oh, really? um, I heard he got his bus license. Oh. Well, he may well have, and that was for 2020. But for 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 every other year, they they like to get on a plane. One of their best players um, is apparently a, a well-known anti-vaxxer. And that would mean that he would not be able to play any no, away games. play on the plane. Yep. Um, and your value take, goes down. Do they take a 50% pay cut? No, they won't. And that's the thing. Your value goes down. When you're on the market, and I was thinking this the other day, when, when you're on the market... I think it's going to get to the point where if they're going to look, I think everyone will have to get vaccinated. So I'm not going to get entertaining that. But if, okay, let's just say there were a group of people who are unvaccinated, their value will plummet. Because they won't be out for a fortnight for the quarantine. If they're really crook, they're out for weeks. Maybe a breakout comp at uh, Byron. Well, you could, yeah, yeah. The Mullumbimby vs. Byron. Pete I Evans will be it. on the barbecue every week. Look, to give you yeah. to give you a bit of an idea, I know we're you know, obviously we're we're having a bit of a laugh here because we know that ultimately the most players are going to do the right thing and regardless of where the NRL fall, 
Um, we want to see football. We want to see the best players. That's that's because what everyone they, wants to see. Because they and, don't wear foil on their head just in case their minds are being read. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, what I, I often look to to sometimes American sports because sometimes we follow and you know even with the way yeah. the world is, we mm. we look at what's happening in America, so on and so forth. We know that um, there are prominent players in the NFL. Uh, for those of you who don't follow the NFL, um, you know, they've been pushing and promoting vaccination. And they've basically said that if there is an outbreak and your team has to forfeit due to a COVID outbreak, you will forfeit. We're not going to say, oh, unlucky, we'll reschedule. You forfeit uh, because they've been promoting vaccination very um it's been very prominently and they said that's also going to affect your playoff seating which obviously in the nrl we don't have to worry about and you've even got high profile players uh, i remember seeing a quote from ryan Tannehill, who's uh, the quarterback at the tennessee titans uh he was one of those players that basically said look he said if you don't fall in line they're going to make your life hell he said he wouldn't have gotten the vaccine if the nfl didn't put these protocols in place. He was put into a position where he, the NFL said, well, look, if you get COVID, you spread it to your teammates. It's big business. It's affecting a lot of stakeholders. Yeah. So as someone so who forth. has a number 17, went, uh, as someone I'll, who I'll has it. a number 17 yeah. Dolphins jersey, I reckon he's lucky he had to make that choice. Yeah. But <laughs> but you see my point here. What we're seeing yeah. overseas is... is yeah, it's just, it's just. I, the, I agree. The organisation you know, making if I was a stand, the CEO of a and club, then at the end of the day, the players are saying, "I have to fall into place because." Look, look Graham. Some people might yeah. say, "Look, some people look, might say to, it's discrimination that you have to have." Nah, it's not. A certain not, uniform, right? haircut, so on I, and so I, forth. I it's, think, it's a health I think, and Graham, safety thing. Just to just to just to finish up on it, I, I I'll I'll just say what I start with. You know, we discriminate in this competition on form. We discriminate on skill. We discriminate on your attitude. I reckon we can do on that. And and look, just to finish with uh, Melbourne Storm, uh, if you've got a Melbourne Storm membership, a lot of people do. They've actually got the highest, they've got one of the highest, um, uh, they've made the highest inroads in, in their memberships in the last two years during COVID. Funnily enough, when they haven't had games to support the club, they're going to reward you with a free membership next year and that you donate back to the club what you want. So um, hats off to the Storm who looking yeah. after their members. Um, as we've said to everyone, membership is the key survival to your club. Please become a member, and it's proven dividends. If you're a Storm member, Graham, that's Shano tidbits. Thank you, Shano. Always keeping his ear to the ground. Always plenty happening in Rugby League, and you hear it here first on Carpool Rugby League. We also get a good insight into the positives in the game. We see lots of flashy things every week. It is finals. There's plenty going on, and it'll be very interesting to see what grabbed the chameleon's eye this week for Griffo's Grab. Griffo's Grab! What you got for us this week, mate? One word, turbo. Yeah. It's pretty obvious <laughs> last week. Um, yep. I need a turbo button. I wonder what that would sound like. I'll tell you what. Um, if he said I'm not going to get vaxxed, there'd be a, there'd be a, you know hundreds of thousands of manly supporters. I'll be, I'll be fighting. Down. I'll, I'll be fighting for his right not to get vaxxed. Keep him in the no, car. No, <laughs> they'd all hold him down in the corso, and then someone would inject the vaccine. 
well, and say, sorry, Tommy, you've got to be vaxxed. Um, but I'm sure Turbo would be uh, would be getting vaxxed. But, um, He's a wee Valvoline. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know what I mean. Now, Probably. Um, look, he was outstanding. He played his, uh, his usual outstanding game last week. Um, he come up with just Turbo plays. The one that really, I think it was in the second half, where he basically just charged onto the ball like a like a front rower near the line and just just went through the Roosters try. Um, he he's taken he's taken his game to a level that that no one else is at in in this competition. Um, it's not the stats that that. It was just watching the game. You thought, wow, here he goes again. Roosters couldn't control him. Um, he got two tries, 20 runs for 201 metres, of which um, 50 of those were post-contact, three line breaks, one try assist, and a huge 10 tackle breaks. Um, in finals football, those stats uh, are very, very impressive. He is an impressive uh, rugby league player, and um, not for the first time, he caught my eye. Um, in terms of some special mentions, uh, I thought Cherry Evans, and I'm not a big DCE fan to be honest, but I thought he was really good last week for for Manly as well. Um, uh, Manly, they steamrolled the Roosters on, on the back of Tommy Turbo. Uh, and they were just too good. Just too good. And, I mean, every week he goes around, he's he's usually up as a contender on the grab. I'm pretty sure we'll see him take out the Dally M Player of the Year next week. Um, and he'd have to be a favourite for the Carpool Rugby League Player of the Year, which... Um, are we going to do that after the grand final? Taking into this is a question at, at no notice. When yeah, are we going to do our award? Meeting. We reckon grand final episode next week. Yeah, we'll that's what that. Faye said. Faye, Faye, do you think you, so? you get Faye's memo? Do you, Faye do you think we make us. it? Faye you think said we make we're doing it in season end next week. Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay, we'll do it. Faye said after. we've got to do it next week. Next week? Yeah, that's Probably, what Faye I think we'll have to have a meeting on that one. Because Faye said, about the best player of the year. Because Faye said, Faye said you shouldn't let the grand final. Because because Dingaway said, and she made a good point, right? She makes a lot of good she said, points. She makes a lot of good points. She makes a good scone. Oh, she got this. Uh, got this. She's got this ginger scone with her ginger jet at the moment. I don't oh, she should put blue no, no, she she on she's it. Got, she said. Dingaway said that because the best player in the grand final. Gets the Clive Churchill medal, mm-hmm. and then she banged on about apparently she's met them or something. But anyway, she's friends with she's Joyce. Met, They're in yeah, the same I know. Club. But she, yeah, she, she, yeah. It was the minute you mentioned bloody Churchill, it's George like far. I was like, go on there. Yeah. Anyway, I thought you meant Joyce Main. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I thought no. she is sponsored. No. no. She's still um, alive, Joyce May. I got no idea, but they said was the best player get, as the grand final gets the Clive Churchill medal that we should be doing it 
because it's, a, it's an anti-climax the week after, and I've got to agree with us. So I'm going to run with Faye. We'll do it next week. So next week. Are we doing it next week? That's what Faye said, so we okay. might as well do All it. All right, we'll do it next week. Next week, Grippo, we're doing that. Okay. Uh, just, uh, we'll, just think to, we to, might know what Faye's like, if you're unsure what Faye's like, what you've got to do is um, there's a show on the ABC called Rosehaven. And if you could, and if you see Rosehaven, you know, you'll watch it for 10 minutes and look at Mrs. Marsh. That's, that's, that's Faye. Okay. We trust you, yeah. mate. No, nah, seriously. Is she the wife of Sean Marsh or? No, nah, she's the other wife. Marsh, the one that. Try great great grandmother. What's his old? Oh, it's, that's Mitchell Rod? Marsh. Yeah, great great grandmother. Okay. Mate, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Marsh's grandmother. I used to remember back in, I think it was the 70s or 80s, and Mrs. Marsh, I don't know if it's the same lady, she mm-hmm. would do um, an, an advertisement. For um, I think it was uh, something to do with with uh, toothpaste, and uh, you could probably look that. Oh, out to and she's cracking! Yeah, yeah, that's the one. It in was the a piece chalk. of chalk she or put something. The chalk in dying. Yeah. Crack was that it. the same Mrs. Marsh? No, it's not. Okay, look, there's a lot if, of marshes. If you've got there. Dan's bingo card that was on Facebook yeah. during the week, you can tick off Graham trying to get things back on track. Uh, oh, sorry, was, Graham. Uh, look, to get things back and on track, Rippo, away. And, and the fading away. And the fading away. And look, this is me getting things back on track. Um, instrumental to this I've podcast. i just had a look. If you're in the um, the Wollongong Now area, uh, Joyce Main's not such an outdated uh, reference. The the two stores I could find are Nowra and uh, Warrawong. It used to be a Torben. So, it used yeah, to be a Torben on Parramatta Road. The only ones I can see left in existence, uh, they're still there. Uh, Warrawong and uh, Nara. So a bit of free press there Joyce for uh, Joyce Main. Anyway, you know, what you were know, you talking you about know, anyway, Griff? You know, the one she thing I told my... I remember telling my mum once. Well, it's click and collect, so she might be Joyce, right. That Joyce Main and Harvey Norman were in cahoots. Oh. That wouldn't surprise me. And what would you... <laughs> I was trying to think of something witty if Joyce Main and Harvey Norman had a kid, but I couldn't think of it. No. Joyce Norman. I think Joyce is past Harvey that Main. age, Shane. Well, that's what makes it funny, Griff. I know. <laughs> well, Abraham's wife, was it Sarah? Was that uh, wasn't it Rachel? Rebecca? She thought she was past Rachel. it as well, but she ended up having, uh, was it Isaac? Abraham was going to kill him. Well, they all God beget, said don't. They all beget someone, but. Um, yeah. Got by by the skin of their teeth. They got by that's the skin true. of their teeth, yes. I tell you yeah. what, Isaac was pretty. Uh, we would have seen the dagger up in the, in the sky, and he thought, was, "Oh, I'm in trouble here." Thank God, God intervened. Anyway, so, hey, how good were Nazareth back in their day? Oh, Nazareth, oh they were good. Was, yeah, the geez, Nazareth Jesus, carpenters. Yeah, Jesus playing fullback, he could do miracles. Oh, I know. <laughs> I tell you what, he was. He, I tell you what, he would have been good, wouldn't he? Don't matter if it's Jesus. a wet field; he could run over the water. And you know what? He's good on the surface. And you know what? Hot yeah. dogs for everyone at halftime. Yeah, it would have been good and on you know that. That's right. Would he have been on Mad Monday? Mad Monday. He turns the water into a rock up. And they rock up with one hot dog and he ends up with 5,000. The great thing is, Jesus and his 12 disciples, that's a starting 13. That's a starting 13. That is true. I tell you what, you wouldn't want Judas playing number seven, though, would you? You just couldn't trust him. 
No, uh, no, he's no, he, had he, Mo- he, he had Moses at seven. He, he runs on the fifth no. tackle. <laughs> runs it on the fifth tackle. Haven't you heard the story? He actually defected to Galilee without telling anyone. That's oh, a, he turned that's back on the team. Season signing. Don't start when you came up. When you came up against the, the Giants, you wanted front. David in your side. Uh, mm. The people's front of Judea, or the Ju- Judean people's front. Anyway, oh. next week we'll do our uh, awards, including <laughs> Sorry, best, best player of 2021 and best player of the biblical era. Um, we'd love to look back at uh, some of the superstars of the past. Jesus, Moses, Sims. Ray Stone. Stone. But uh, I think getting back to the whatever the bloody point was you were making... <laughs> Was it the race stone? Think, well, that anyway, killed, Turbo. The race talk about Turbo. Goliath? Holy was it the race shit. stone that killed Goliath? I just want to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and look, when they cut Pappenhausen's mullet, all of his power was gone. <laughs> oh, jeez. I think. I think. Uh, why? Yeah. Why? Why? Delilah. I think we've all just been blackballed from uh, Catholic education, fellas. But Turbo was good on the weekend, wasn't he, Griffo? It was. It was. It, it, he grabbed my eye. He grabbed my eye. Is that it? Well, I'm just thinking. The problem was, twenty minutes ago, he gave the reason why. Yeah, no, we just I'm, I'm looking. It. Sorry, so, so I tell you what, good. back in those good. days, I think, I think the gaff comes next. Look, it was an eye for an eye. If he grabbed my eye, I would have had to grab one of these as well. I think it's up to the gaff. Uh, I think so. I think the last 10 minutes have been a gaff. <laughs>
Well, I think I think Ferguson was uh, unlucky. Um, the, the Emmy the Emmys were yesterday. In Australia yeah, missed out on a lot of the Emmys, yeah. but I think he was he was a late, he was a late recipient of one of the Emmy awards. <sighs> he needs performance. to get a run. He could be if he wants to move into coaching. I think Ted Lasso might have a position open for him. But this opens up a bigger conversation. Not only was it embarrassing, and a lot of people are saying, "Geez, it's a bad look when you've got a player go down. Once he's got the penalty, he's up." Basically, look, we're not idiots. We know that they're. I can fix uh, this. As soon as there's some it. pressure, they're putting their hands on their neck. There were a lot of laughs early on in the season when players didn't fully understand the uh, the injury of the crusher. They're grabbing the top of the head. Uh, I did enjoy that, but. The thing is, too, here, I think it also opens a wider conversation in a sense that we have... There was a long time there where the NRL said, look, if you're lying down, get up. I'm not going to give the penalty. And players weren't lying down. Then we I, started to move into a player welfare thing where, where a lot of mm-hmm. player, people were saying, well, hang on. We can't be telling players to get up because there could be a serious injury. <sighs> Where are we? Graham, for that, no, Graham, for that. What you got, Shane? I I, I thought about this. Now, you know what? It was a crusher tackle. It was a penalty. That's exactly what it was, right? When he went down and and acted the way he did, he he, he got, okay, it was by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. When he jumped up and did what he did, the referee should have said, penalty to Parramatta. Blake, come here, 10. You're off. You're going for 10 in the bin. Oh, no, you incited something that didn't need to happen. It's a professional foul. It's 10 in the bin. Yeah, you get the penalty, but guess what? You're playing the next 10 with 12. That's what should have happened. And I'm not going to blame the referee because that caught him off guard. That would catch anyone off guard. That was bizarre at best. And I think that I, I I would have been more than happy to see him go for ten in the bin. I don't know what you guys think. That was my that was my feeling. Well, one thing I want to early in the season there was a lot of talk, particularly around HIAs and and these types of injuries, that players would have to go off for a couple of minutes if they're that badly injured. And 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 we and look to be fair, we don't want players pretending not to be injured when they actually are. Like player welfare has yeah. to be the number one yeah, concern. Yeah, yeah. We want people who are actually hurt to, to own up to it and not try and hide it like they might have used to. But, the, yeah, as you mentioned, the fact that I, I don't... The only thing I blame Ferguson for with a gaffe is his terrible acting performance. Um, <laughs> because if, because if, he, if, he, if he'd done the thing that most players do, well, not most, but a lot of players do, and, and stayed down a little bit longer, had a bit of a slower play the ball or something, you know, we, we wouldn't be speaking about this. But the fact that he jumped up, you know, yeah, like, as you mentioned, Graham, like he was a flash... Ready to have a go at the power player who's having a word to him. It's just we we want to manage player welfare and also have a game that doesn't resemble a lot of what European football does uh, with players rolling around and, and acting for quite a long time. It's getting that balance right. I think Shane made a good point about potentially. I don't know if ten in the bin. I think is a bit severe, um, but at least a warning of a like, hey, any other yeah. shenanigans? Someone's going for a professional foul. Um, but I just think that there has to be a better use of it. I do think there needs to be a bit of a, an overhaul in the rules at the end of the year into how to deal with these types of issues because um, it's going to crop up more and more because realistically, if you're a coach and you're not telling your players to grab the back of the neck when they feel that contact, you're missing out on, on scoring yeah, opportunities. You're behind the eight ball. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's interesting sort of thing here, Griffo. We've got to... 
We've got a situation where some people are coming out and saying, well, if the referee is is calling the penalty, if they're on the ball, then players don't have to stay down. But rugby league's one of those weird games where there's players in the way, the referee's getting them back to 10. They might not see the pressure on the neck. And also, too, we've evolved to the point, too, where... Any slight pressure where if you're in a tackle and your your chin basically gets pushed to your chest, uh, it's a penalty these days. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Where, where do we go from here? Is it something that the referees have to look at? Or is it something that the NRL has to really tighten up to ensure that the players aren't trying to, to milk it? It's, it's a tough one to, to solve, Graham, because... Um, I mean, the Ferguson situation was ridiculous, obviously. Um, but let's say, for example, the same thing happens and you change the rules to say, well, if you're milking, we're going to give you 10 in the bin. Um, then what's going to happen is they're just, they're still going to go down, but they're going to just keep going with it and they're not going to. Uh, get up and, and want to punch Mitch Kenny in the head. Um, in which case, how do you solve that? We'll say, okay, you're that injured. You're going to be replaced. Yeah. And yeah. it's I, going I, to, and it's I, going I to cost a, you an interchange. Ground. I just thought it was the most mm. ugly. It was an ugly look. It was ugly. It could be one of those ones where they have a certain thing. It's hard to tell, you know, if the referee doesn't say, or if you lie down and play has to be stopped because you're injured, so time off, hand to the back of the neck, the referee has stopped play because of an injury, they could have a, a, a protocol where any time that play is stopped, the person who is injured has to be removed from the field. There'll be a free interchange. Graham... That, Graham, that, things have... that, that might make them think... I don't know. But the thing on is, the too, field. you get to a point there where Blake Ferguson would probably think, okay, well... Or depending on who it is, if it's a prop forward 30 minutes into the game, grab the neck, free interchange, yeah, we get a penalty and we get a free interchange. But here's mm. another thing, Greg. Do you think he brought the game into disrepute? Do you know what? I, yeah, I do. I, I, I do. do. But I do. I think he needs had, the front of this is where... But this is where the he issue brought the is. game into disrepute. The only reason he brought the game into disrepute is because he sprung up. If he had stayed down and said, "Oh, he my sprung neck," up and acted like a pork chop. But the thing is, this is where we're going. We're not necessarily <laughs> we. Do, yeah, yes, but we, he did show. Yes, but what the point I'm making is, we don't have a problem with him milking the penalty. It happens ten times a game. If he had, if he had rubbed the neck for another thirty seconds, got up, you know, side to side, back and forth, played it. We would not be talking about it. The fact that he sprung up out of nothing is the main issue here. We don't have a problem with players milking and saying they're hurt to get a penalty. We've got our problems with the quick turnaround because that wasn't a good look. Well, look, I think, um, I think, I think we're talking about Ferguson when we've got two awesome games coming up. Yeah. Fair call. He he's not. He's not worth that. it. He's not worth. He's. I, I've. You know. My heart's beating, and he's not worth the—he's not worth the heartbeat at the moment. Let's just talk about the real thing coming up. All right, let's get into the footy this week. There's the whistle and the kickoff for 
finals week three. Now, the first game we have will take part, Suncorp Stadium, 7.50pm on Friday night. The third place Rabbitohs, who had the week off, will take on the fourth place Manly Seagulls, who last week, as we talked about, got through the Roosters. Normally here I tell you a lot of uh, mumbo-jumbo about who's in and who's out, but I've got no news because both the Rabbitohs and the Manly Seagulls are taking in the same team. So Rabbitohs, no changes from week one. Manly, no changes from week two. Why change a winning combination? Uh, just to keep everyone up to date, Ashley Klein will be refereeing this one. Grant Atkins is going to be uh, in the bunker having a look at the video. Probably going to head over to um, Dan for this one. Um, I think the big question here, going off what we discussed earlier in regards to Manly, would be the opposition. That's the big difference from last week to this week. We have an opposition with South Sydney here for Manly where I see a lot of similarities. I see a lot of points in both teams. Um, Manly last week really put on the points. They come up against the South Sydney team where the left edge is all the talk in the NRL. Where do you see Manly in regards to their defence? Because we know that South Sydney, especially that left edge, has a lot of attack. We know that blokes like uh, Morgan Harper and Jason Saab are going to get a lot of traffic this week. Yeah, look, um, I'm really looking forward to this game. And it really is one of those ones that's a bit of a... a Toss of the coin uh, to, to how it's going to come down. The, the challenge is we don't actually have a lot of previous games to go on. The only time they played was, I think, round two, round three, or very early in the year. Yeah, uh, it was a rubbish East. game, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was raining. And... Yeah. And Manly got towed up, and they were, they were very poor at that stage of the season. Um, <laughs> so we don't really have any, any recent uh, evidence to go on. Looking through 1-13 to 13 and even 1-17, to 17, I think the teams are relatively evenly matched uh, in terms of their, their strike. You know, you've got players like, you know, Cherry Evans lining up against Reynolds, I think is a fantastic, um, you know, seven uh, battle. Uh, in the in the front row, you've got players like Colom Matangi and Tapao or Olokuatu uh, for Manly, Sua against Schuster, Cameron Murray, Jake Trevojevic. It, it's really... It's a, it should be a fantastic match between the two. And South earned that week off. And I I, I don't think Manly will be particularly tired, um, given the easier nature of the game they had against the Roosters. Uh, the last 15 minutes of the game last week, they brought off Tom Turbo. They brought off uh, some of their other strike players and gave them a bit of rest to the back end of the game. Um, what you've mentioned, though, is I think for Manly, Manly need to make sure they capitalise and stay strong in that first half of footy. Um, Souths have shown and particularly showed in, in that Penrith game that if they can get a strong foothold people like Damien Cook will tear up later in the game. Uh, if Manly's forwards in particular get tired and Souths make easy metres up, up the field then that Souths legit, uh, left edge attack is, is going to uh, tear Manly apart. We saw that Harper um, had a particularly poor game against Melbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago it was one of his poorest performances all year I do think he'll have learnt from that. I think Des will have learnt from that as well and be coaching them around it. But there's only so much you can coach players to watch out for someone like Cody Walker. I think Cody Walker is going to have a huge impact on this game. Uh, for all the talk that people will have about Tommy Turbo, and I'm sure you guys as South fans will, will have an eye on him in particular, Cody Walker is that player for South in particular. I think there was a, a podcast a while ago, you guys talked about the distraction value. I think it was like not just... 
how much does Cody Walker score himself or how much does he do? But how much, how many plays does he distract in the defensive line? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be really a, a big challenge is that Manly's defense sometimes does have a tendency. They don't, the centers are solid, but I don't think the outside wingers fully trust their centers yet. Um, you'll see sometimes Saab come in to cover Harper. Uh, similarly, you might have Garrett come in to cover uh, Hank Scorpio. Uh, and so you get the occasional one where um, the, the try that um, the Roosters uh, scored last week was an example of that, where they ended up, it was a, it was a three on three, and next thing you know, it was a three on one. Um, they, they created that overlap, which South will be looking to, to do. Um, but, you know, obviously my. My heart and my head are both saying manly just. Um, but I actually think it'll be a high-scoring affair. And I actually do think that one team could run away with it. I think once momentum gets on, I don't think we'll have a, a Parramatta-Penrith-tight scoreline. I think it'll be close for that opening salvo. Um, and I think it's the type of game that might get away from a team uh, in the, the back end of the game. But I'm just looking forward to the match-up, matchups. I'm going to mention the name. Uh, you know, Alloy has been solid so far. I'd like to see less errors out of him. Uh, he, he's got a bit of a game, and he's coming up against uh, South Legend in uh, Mark Nichols. Uh, on, on the Smashing, baby. There we go. I did that for my bingo card. Thank you, John. Yeah. <laughs> he's smart. Um, <laughs> he's smart. He's a, he's a um, fan. But even if you got the, even if you look at the four teams, like, here or... <laughs> you got four teams. Mar- Benji Marshall. Um, it depends how much South use him. Dylan Walker. It's it's just a, a say. If, if you if you're not looking forward to this matchup with the neutral, you don't like rugby league. And what I'm really excited about, um, and my, my oldest son's actually, he likes two teams, Manly his first team because I've forced him to like Manly. Uh, but he's also a South fan, so he'll be happy with either result. And one of these teams is going to be in the grand final. Can um, I just ask you a quick question? I, I know I haven't given my spill yet, but I just want to ask you as a Manly fan, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Dan, because we've got, we got someone we can ask from the Manly perspective. I... At first, I thought when Dylan Walker and Carl Lawton were in the same side, I thought, well, you've got a guy who can add one thing. Carl Lawton is, is, a, is a traditional hooker. Do you think that the, does one of them take the position of, a, of an extra forward? You know, South um, Sydney can bring the power game. Do the, does one of them bring the, does yeah. one of them distract from that? Yeah, Lawton's um, most recently been more playing in the second row. Or, or yeah. type of position as a forward when he's been coming on. Uh, he was an interesting signing mid-season because I think we were pretty uh, short-stocked in the in the number nine role. Yeah. Um, you know, trading Coruscant, we, we trade which you know hindsight's one of those terrible decisions because he's been fantastic for the Panthers. Um, and we had uh, Stabby McGee, uh, allegedly <laughs> Stabby McGee, in the nice who um, as, as our uh, extra one. The, uh... To the silver well, he, water, he, silver he, bucks. He, his his case hasn't been resolved yet. The silver water <laughs> greens. <laughs> his, his case hasn't been resolved yet, so he's innocent until proven That's guilty. True. Thank you. That's but, true. Uh, but we had um, and speaking of that, we had Lachlan Croker, who look, I I was a very harsh critic of Lachlan Croker. Um, he yep. was filling in at the number six spot. There was a game two years ago against Panthers where it was a it was like a four degree night at Panthers Stadium. I was watching. Um, DC was injured, so Croker was playing seven, and it may have been the worst kicking game I've seen from a half, pretty much ever, other than when I'm out in the paddock. That was a shocker. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't really rate him. But, but to be honest, he's been he's been fantastic this year. He's played every game except for the Melbourne game a couple of weeks ago, and we really missed him. They missed um, him Lord, all right that night, yeah, for sure. Lord, they missed Sir, him. 
Lawton service hour number nine isn't there. So I think Lawton fills in that forward role. Yeah. And he can come into the number nine in an, in a pinch, but I, th- I think you'll see Croker yeah, play. Okay, cool. I, 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 when they bought him, I was really unsure of the of the um, Croker, Walker, Lawton. And I, I thought, yeah, not I, being I, a fan, I just couldn't. I, I think, I, I think Lawton's replaced players like uh, Sirenen. Um, Sirenen yes. hasn't been able to get a run, yeah. so I think he's taken that spot. Similar with uh, Moses Suli. Suli is damaging in attack, but he's, he's too much of a, a liability in defence, I think, is why he doesn't make yeah. the run on side. Siren, yeah, Sirenen number 20. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, Des might do some some cheeky mind games, but I think I think so. I, I think I think if someone on that interchange was to be changed, it might be Lawton out for maybe a Sully in. I think yep. Sully might be a yep. strike weapon that he yeah, tries that's to what sneak I was, in there. I was asking because I thought but, he's the one guy in the seven. I would say South won the seventeen, and, <laughs> and I'll talk a bit about it in a minute. But I just looked at and who better to ask that Manly fan? Yeah. I just looked at Manly won the seventeen. With who's 18, 19, 20, 21, yeah. uh, do they and, change? And, and look, Sully hasn't gotten a lot of game time of late. He did have a game, might have been the Dogs game or the Cowboys game where he had a blinder. Um, oh. he, he really came on and, and had a strong game. Yeah, I uh, think that was in, Cowboys. They yeah. want, that yeah. was a night they had a big win. Yeah, not in, I don't know these in Manly's full time squad, but I also don't think. This is a, a battle of the coaches. Um, you know, Wayne Bennett, Des Hasler, two fantastic yeah, yeah. coaches in, in, yeah. in the club. Des always likes his mind games. I wouldn't be surprised to see Lawton out and Sully in just as that unexpected. Well, he's played and, 12 games, Sully, this year. So, you know, yeah. it's not as if he hasn't had a go. He terrorised us a couple of years ago in yeah. the final. And, oh, and, that was horrible. Yeah. I'd rather he didn't play yeah. just so I'd have flashbacks. <laughs> And, and where Sully is good is, I think, if Manly are down, you know, they're down 12 with, you know, 10 minutes to go or something, he's the type of player you chuck on to make something happen. Yeah. If you're not yeah, worried. Run, if you're not, run around. If you, yeah. 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 If you're not worried so about cool, having, yeah. like, hey, guys, we have to defend for 70 minutes. If you just, we're desperate for some points, you chuck him on and you say, you run over the top of whoever's in front of you um, and, and see how you go. Um, yep. You know, and 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 him and Schuster play this sort of you know inventing inventive style of football, where if you are desperate and they just start chucking the ball around, it's hard to defend against. There's a lot of errors in that style of football. I wouldn't want it for a full eighty, but if you're if you're looking for points at the end of a game, it's worth a shot. I, I think it'll be a great game. I want to be in the meat raffle where Schuster and I we buy the tickets because that guy he can throw a ball anywhere and nine out of ten times it lands in the manly set of hands like the luck of that guy no i don't i say luck and that's not fair the harder you in my mind you the make your own you work, luck the harder you work the luckier you get that in, in in any profession you know he's done that a million times it's just that the guy can find hands at will at times like i i like oh yeah i like I like what and he can do. I'll just I'll do, I'll just finish up before hanging over to you guys. Um, you know, I think at the very first podcast of the year, Graham very kindly read out my message where I said Manly could finish thirteenth or they could finish third. Um, and we weren't. <laughs> I wasn't too. I wasn't too far off in the end. Um, and actually, after the first four rounds, it looked like I could have gone either way. Um, I was looking more thirteenth than it was third. These guys thought I was mad putting him in the eight. Um, but but Griffo's biggest criticism of Manly early on, and I think it was a valid, was about our depth. 
because um, I do think we lack that depth and players like um, Paseca, uh, Kepi, uh, you know, Sipley, uh, you know, uh, even, you know, your Parker, your Garricks, Morgan Harper, Jason Saab. These were guys who had, you could see that potential was there as a Manly fan, particularly for Garrick, you know, and Parker, I've seen that potential there for a while, but they hadn't really clicked. And I think the coaching or whatever they've gone through this year has really stepped them up to, as we mentioned, we've got, you know, Siren and Suli, Sipley and Funa on the reserves. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy names that, there. to be honest. Yeah. Um, so our, our depth has really developed uh, a long way. One to, to 17, the, the matchups are very close. Um, you know, it's, it's, it just it depends on how it goes on the night. You know, you look at the number twos, Alex Johnston, uh, he can find the try line, um, but so can Jason Saab. Um, I think I think they're the top two try scorers this year. Um, are those two guys? Um, you know, Gagai and Hank Scorpio. Gagai's got the edge here. Campbell Graham and and um, Lionel Richie, Morgan Harper, uh, lining up against each other. <laughs> That's gonna good. stick. I uh, like that. Um, but but Walker and Four and Reynolds and Evans. I, yeah, look, obviously Manly for me, but oh, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to, to see South take it. Um, South going deservedly favourites. That game against Penrith was was fantastic. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised though to see a big scoreline um, and to see a blowout. Even though I think it's a close game, I think it's one that one team could run away with. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about the top try scorers because we know, yeah, Alex Johnson got that. That We talked about that left edge of South. Uh, we know, obviously, Josh Adokar is another player who scores a lot of tries at Melbourne. But the other three players in the top five, um, you, you mentioned Jason Saab. You've also got Trebojevic and Garrick there. So there's yeah. a lot of points in this um, Manly backline, Shano. And it, it's actually oh, look, interesting Manly, that they're talking about... Manly play... Sorry, Gray. No, I was just going to say... Oh, just I was, I was keen your, to go. Yeah, with your comments there, there's just one thing I wanted you to comment on too in, a, in that, uh, that comment about Manly that I know you're about to, to give the fans... There's been so much talk about Tom Trebojevic. Everything's about Tom mm. Trebojevic to talk. We know their strike elsewhere, even to the point where the media today are taking a um, a comment by Cam Murray to the point where, you know, Cam Murray basically said, look, we're lucky that when we do our training sessions on the reserves team for our post sessions, we've got Latrell Mitchell playing fullback for the reserves. So he's trying to mimic... And play a role that to to, to prepare them well, for Tom Trebojevic. Um Obviously, that's a no brainer to to have Latrell there, and and obviously he's a part of the squad, and he's going to fill in there. There is some attack and strike in this uh, this manly team, and I think what you were going to go in and comment is the fact that they do have a lot of points in them. Oh yeah, what well, was going to say, Gray? And um, look, just before I begin, I was a bit remiss and and talking about South Sydney, uh, a player who played for South. He also played um, for the uh, Warriors and in the end the Dragons. Isaac, Isaac Luke, Luke. announced his retirement. Um, yeah. Broncos, Broncos, yeah. yeah. Um, look, Legend. I I really think I I remember Uncle Bully, you know, yeah, Bully um, at the bad old days of South Sydney, he, he got, he got recruited and he was one of the saviors. He's, you know, we talk about South Sydney in a, in there, in how many games before the grand final, he was one of the pioneers that, that allowed South Sydney to be there. And um, 
uh, we wish him all the best in his retirement and thank him for for some great rugby league that he's shown over the years. Um, look, I, I was going to talk about the back three for Manly quickly as a as a sort of not as a fan. What I love about Manly is Manly do one of two things. When Manly, when someone drops the ball, they spread it wide and they get the ball wide and they get the ball out there to the people that can really run. And 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 and, and they get a lot of value out of that. The other thing they do is they they work in like this pack where the back three just run forward. Like they 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 don't they don't shy away from the ball. They don't camp on the try line. They do a lot of things. I said it earlier this year. When Manly were in trouble, I said, why not why not chuck Saab in the centers? You know, get him early ball, get him he's quick, get him some early ball. They and in the end they didn't need to because they they worked their game plan out where they were able to attract attention and, and create the extra man. I like the back three for Manly. I really do. I we've rated Ruben Garrick from you know we're doing our hundredth show today. You know how many times have we sung Ruben Garrick's praises? You know that that he is a young guy that's coming through, that's fulfilling his potential. Look, Ruben Garrick. I don't care what you want to say about him and his try scoring ability, but he can kick goals as well. He turned four into six. That is why Manly are so potent. You know, the guy, the guys, the guy this year, did he finish top of the point scoring? He's yeah. top and he's, he's only, I think, over 300. He's, he's only maybe 14 or so points behind Hazemel Mazari for all time. Yeah. Across the no, course of his season. Like he, he's had an outstanding wow. year with the boot and with the ball. Like he's, he, he has done some phenomenal things. Um, I like the back three for Manly. I, I think they're really good. Can I just say this? Last time South Sydney played Manly, Jason Saab gone over break. He got ran down by Damien Cook. So that tackle of the year. That was well, a wasn't. well, I don't know. It was for South Sydney. But, but we were actually on the receiving tackle. end of the tackle of the year. It was a very good <laughs> tackle. Um, so you know, like the speeds there. I I you know, Tom Trevojevic is 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 at the moment the best player in rugby league. You know, what what do you say to that? He 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 attracts attention. He does a lot of things very well. He's is a is a brilliant rugby league player. The only thing I'll say is this: I feel that he's coming up against the two best defensive defensive centres in the league. I think Campbell Graham is one of the most defensive, best defensive centers in the league. I think Dane Gagai in the last um, 10 weeks has really shored that up. The game I want to go back to um, is, is the game where Manly lost to, to the Raiders. Now, it was way back in round 17. So it was one of their lost. So they lost one and then they, then they, then they won three. Okay, the thing that the Raiders did in that game, uh, sorry, when they they lost, yeah, they lost nineteen eighteen. Uh, they won nineteen eighteen. The next time, what the Raiders really did was they shored up that middle defence. Was they shored them up and they were they sort of compressed things that didn't allow them to spread the ball. I think that that's the same thing South are going to do. I think South Sydney's defensive edges 
are very good. I think, I think, look, when Mansour was in the side, South was a shambles. I could have coached, I could have coached a way to beat South, and that was run around Mansour. And Penrith did that. That game that South Sydney and Penrith played, that was ridiculous. They just ended up just running down his side and it was over. I think when we look at Manly and now the defensive structure of South Sydney, South is going to compress and they're going to, they're going to jam in. The biggest thing for South Sydney is they've got to get the ball up that they've got to get the ball into Manly's area and they can't drop it. They can't give cheap ball. Adam Reynolds is going to kick the corners. Adam Reynolds is a great kicker of the rugby league football. He's going to be able to kick it into the perfect place. I I look at I look at the I and look, no disrespect, Dan. I think the back line is slightly probably edged out because of Tommy for Manly's favour. I think South Sydney have it in the forwards. Yep. I think yeah, the absolutely. South Sydney forward pack, I think uh, people like, I think their forward pack as it sits now is a far better forward pack. Um, Colin Matungi has really played some good football. I think Mark Nichols has played, smashing baby, smashing has played baby. some good football. I, and, and you know what? You got Jake Trevojevic up against um, Cameron Murray. Um, you know, Burgess and Arrow off the bench. Shane, Burgess and Arrow off the mm. bench. I just think they've got this. Yeah. Now, I think what South Sydney, is, I think a bit, when you said a team's going to run away with this, I actually think it's a bit the opposite. I think it's going to be this tight tussle. And then at the 75th minute, something's going to crack. And I think it, I think it's, it's going to be forward pressure. Um, I'll, look, you know, look, yeah. I, one eye cardinal, one eye myrtle. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not uh, no, South the, Sydney aren't going to win. They're going to win this one. I just think that when I look at when I look at the teams, I just think that the gift that that Manly get and have had in the last chunk of weeks against certain oppositions, South isn't going to afford that. The thing that kills me and the thing that churns my stomach is that how many years do I have to sit here in this position one game away and South not win? I remember a game uh, in 2013. I was sitting at ANZ. I was watching South Sydney. Dylan Walker fluffed a try, which probably would have made us 24-0. He didn't score that. I saw the Wolfman run over Merritt twice and for them to get in the grand final. It's, it's, it's not South Sydney skill that worries me. It's the position they're in and how many times I've seen it unfold. Yeah. I just look at South Sydney and look, I, I, I might sound like a, yeah. I, I might go on a bit of a history, history lesson here. Rant. No, nah, it's not a rant. When we played, look, when we played the Roosters, I think, I think Seabold was just looking for his contract. Seabold. They were, they were horrendously <laughs> That coached. needs to go on the bingo going card. To, no, he's, and I'll, I'll, going I'll, to rugby I'll tell you now. I'll tell you now. England. South Sydney, South Sydney the year before, Watch finished them go the team backwards. as the best side in the competition. <laughs> yeah. And they Shana, didn't get I... there. And yeah. a lot yeah. of what Seabold bought was the wash from, from Maguire. So Seabold had them, neglected them for about 10 weeks, and that's what he reaped. We got can... bring forward um, Bennett lost against the Raiders. The Raiders were just on fire. Like Whiten was brilliant. I thought that Cook and Reynolds had the worst games of their career. 
They were horrendous that night. Last year, you had to have your best game to beat Penrith. Souths were very, very good. They were actually excellent. Penrith were outstanding. Penrith got the chockies. I just think when I look at all that unfold, you know, you've learned your lessons hard in rugby league. If they can contain the, it's not containing Draboyevic. This is rubbish. No, containing yeah. can, one can player. I, can it's I add, containing can I add to the that, players that feed Draboyevic. Yes. Yeah, can I add to that? Like, so a couple of weeks ago when we played Melbourne, everyone talked about all the media was like they contain Turbo, they contain Turbo. No, they didn't contain. Mm. They didn't contain they Turbo. Contained he had the, they contained yeah. the attack that fed Turbo. He, he had 151 run meters. Yeah, but the, the, reason, the reason he had the reason he had that many is that Tapao had 70. Olaquatu had yeah, 80. Their forward um, Alloyer had 50. And, we, got, yeah. we got belted in the forward. And that's and what I was doing... coming to with the South yeah. Sydney's forward pack. I just think yeah. I just think they aimed up so much against Penrith. But Manly and, and Souths have had a few good finals. Oh, you mentioned 2013, shoot. two years ago. I, to be honest, I hope Friday night is another hard lesson for you guys. I, I really do. <laughs> I heart. know you do. <laughs> I have, I know You're a nice bloke, right? Really you know what? You know what? I hope, uh, you know, was it, uh, uh, was it 84? This could be dependent on whether or not you're welcome I'm, next I'm week. I'm old enough to remember 84 <laughs> when we won that one. Um, I just think that when I when I look at South, it's, it's, it's Wayne. It's not about the players. It's Wayne Bennett who's, and- who said, who openly said to the players, you put up against Penrith and you play your best and you rip in. And defensively, and they've been working since they got belted by 50 the second time, they've done no attacking drills. Yep. It's all about defense. And, and, and for South, it's almost now or never with Wayne leaving and Reynolds yeah, leaving. Yeah, I, I agree. Correct. And I think, I think for them, they're We're now, losing a few. I think for mm-hmm. now, they're, they're getting yeah. into it and they're saying, right, let's get the defense right. Let's own up in forwards. They did it against Penrith and they earned a week off. A lot of these players have played, will play their second game in a month. They're fit. I, I just, I just look at all this and I, I look at all the computations, and and I just think, whilst I love Tommy Turbo, and I sung Saab's praises all year, they're playing an absolutely different beast now. They're playing more Melbourne-like than Rooster-like. I just want to see a brilliant game. I hope that the Cardinal Myrtle are on the sunny side of Ledger and they go through to the grand final. I think this is going to be a ripper. Yeah, I'm picking South, but you know what? I think, unlike unlike Dan, I think this is actually going to go down to the wire. And I think that's where people like Adam Reynolds will kick them out of submission. Damien Cook, he'll need... He hasn't played a great semi-final in his career. It's time to do one. You mentioned, uh, boys, earlier, uh, Dan was talking about Ruben Garrick. He's on the hunt for Hazem Masri's record of most points by an individual in a season. Um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on this week. We're seeing a lot of records broken this, uh, this year. Um, on the South Sydney side of things, I know South Sydney fans have brought up this week that uh, Adam Reynolds is only 10 points shy from um, the record of the most points in a season by a Rabbitoh. Uh, yet again, Eric Sims has to hand that trophy over uh, in the 1969 season. He scored 265. Adam Reynolds is at 256 as we speak. Griffo seems to be that we've got 
arguments from both sides as to why this game could be won. The real talk has been about the attack of these two teams. Um, as a fan who potentially, you know, all going well against Melbourne, and we'll get to that game soon, you're going to be coming up against one of these two teams. You've talked all the way through the back end of this season in the finals that Manly's not the team you want to face. What are your thoughts on this one, given the fact that, um, look, we're either going to see Manly or South Sydney in a grand final this year? Well, thank you, Graham, for the introduction. <laughs> what an introduction it was. I I really look forward to this game. Uh, as a fan of rugby league, um, I have no vested interest in either team. Um, I respect both teams. Um South Sydney, this is the fourth year in a row that they've made it to a prelim final, which is a great achievement. But if they don't get this one, they're going to be shattered. Um, to beat Penrith two weeks ago was unexpected and it was on the back of, of true grit. The likes of Sewer. Jairo, uh, Totola, Kaloma Tungi, and especially Tom Burgess up front. Uh, and they dominated Penrith in the forwards. And that allowed, obviously, you know, you, you got those creative players in the back line. Um, it's set up, you know, they would have thought once they got through the Panthers. Wow. Well, I, I thought it myself that this has really opened up uh, for South Sydney to make the grand final. Um, I'm sitting here and I've been thinking about who do I think is going to win this game. I was actually leaning towards Manly um, for the fact that they do have Tom Trebojevic, who wears number one. But then I thought about the the game that South played against Penrith, where they played a different style of game. They got into the grind and they ground Penrith. Um, they just keep tackling and tackling. And, and, the, and Shane mentioned that the work of, in defense of, of Gagai and, and particularly Campbell Graham was, was outstanding. Um, look, this could go either way. It could go either way. Manly, I want to bring up um, Ryan Girdler, who, who came out and, and, and accused Manly of being flat-track bullies. Now, as it stands, he, he's got evidence for that because they've not beaten uh, Melbourne or South or the Panthers. And they've been able to give it to, to teams like the Bulldogs, the West Tigers, and so on, and absolutely smash them. And that's why we see Ruben Garrick with all these records, because um, he's the goal kicker on the back of a team that scoring, you know, 50, 60 regularly throughout the year. Um, so they can decimate, and they have decimated poor teams. As it stands, they've not beaten any of the other top four sides. Um to balance that, 
the reality is they didn't play Salts after, um, you know, they, they had that bad start to the year, Manly. But in that bad start to the year, I think they, they played games against Salts, Penrith, Roosters. Uh, Roosters. Was they it possibly Melbourne as well? They had a massive... No, so the first four were uh, Roosters, Penrith, then Dragons. That was that was okay. the debacle. Yep. And then Souths. All right. Dragons had a tough have start to Yeah. And then okay. the Dragons were all right at the start of the year until Barbecue Gate. No, they well they won the no Barbecue Gate was the ultimate victory. Well, they, they was, already had because their, they didn't win but, since then. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They had the end of season feast for the yeah. for the, for the, the Seagulls. We saw that turnaround around about week five after that. They it was that, week five with point. no Tommy Turbo. They, they just beat, beat the Warriors. Warriors, just Warriors, Warriors, and then the the dust up of the Titans sort of yeah. yeah. And then they went on a roll. Yeah, but even that dust up, I think we were down maybe 16-0 or 16-6 or something like that half-time and then just put like a good 30 or 40 on them in the second half. That was a mudgy game, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, getting back to, to what Gerds said, as it stands, factually, he can he can be vindicated um, in that they put to the sword the poorer teams, but they've they've struggled to beat the better teams. They can turn that on their head if they can get over the top of the rabbit holes this week. Um, and and if forced to make a choice, I, I just lean probably towards Manly in that they've got what I believe to be the best player on the field in, in Turbo. Um, Souths can beat them, though. There's no doubt about that. Souths, uh, they've got the attack that worries any side um, and they showed a resolve in defence against Penrith that should have them as favourites for this game. I'm, I'm not quite sure, uh, Graham. You're normally good with these sorts of things. In the South, terms of the... South are a dollar forty-seven. Uh, the Seagulls are two ten. Two ten. Oh, see, I, I would see it a lot closer than that. But um, um, to, to give you some context. Both the sides started off as a dollar ninety. Okay. Um, so both sides started off as a dollar ninety, and um, that's where the punters have put it. Uh, at two and a half head start, um, Manly were a dollar eighty, and Manly had the start at, at two and a half points, a dollar eighty. South was at two dollars minus two and a half. It's now gotten an even and, money on and, it. And it is deserved. Like, they were third and fourth in the comp, but mm. Souths were a good four wins ahead of Manly, you know? Like, it was a, a bit of a difference call. between that third and fourth. Yeah. So, uh, Souths, I think, right. It's one of those ones, uh, you know, a lot of fans out there in carpool land will probably say, on their day, you know, and on their day, Manly can win, but on their day, Souths can win as well. So, yeah, it, it should be a cracker for the neutral fan, really. For, for, for mine, Souths are, are still... A, a Latrell Mitchell short of being a certainty in this game. If Latrell was playing, I'd be back in South, no doubt. The, I, I think they still are slight favourites. I just think the turbo factor might be enough to get Manly over the line, but I'm not convinced. And I, I, I hope so too. <laughs> the, thing we look at, the thing we look at points being scored, and I, I was talking to someone else who, who gave me an absolutely who absolutely dug the boot into South Sydney on this game. And I had to find something 
And he said, during the year, you know, South Sydney, blah, blah, blah. Um, South Sydney had been, okay, rightly beaten by Penrith and the Storm, uh, put 50 on them both times. And we talk about the, we talk about the, the Manly's prowess in being able to attack. The points differential for South Sydney at the end of the year was 322, hmm. whereas Penrith was 390. Seagulls was 252. Like, when you're talking about, like, like, like the, their argument was South can't put points on. And I sort of said, well, South, oh, that's won, South, South won eight games, you know, by scoring more than 30. It's an NRL record. When you're talking about putting points on, I, I, I said, like, when we, got, we got beaten by 50 because our defence was rightly so rubbish. If South Sydney's defence worked on their defence at the start of the year, 322, they would have finished second. Like, like the, the, their attack is not an issue. Their issue is, can they, can they defend? And I think what they've shown in the last probably three or four weeks is they've shored that up. They've, they've, it's taken a while. And, 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 you know, Bennett's been very candid in saying, we haven't worked on our attack. We've worked on our defence. So I, I think it's interesting when people talk about certain people's attack we talk about Ruben Garrick being the leading point scorer. Adam Reynolds was the leading point scorer last year, and and um, and and Alex Johnson was the highest try scorer last year. It meant nothing. I, I think yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to it's get a team in effort. the game. It's a team you've got effort. to get in the game. When South played Penrith, you know. South played out of their skin that night, and they were probably a 40-20 away from, from maybe winning that game. I I thought Penrith were brilliant when they played South, and, and they were deserved in the grand final. That's the thing. I think when you play grand finals, it's the people, it's the and, and I just look at it and I just go, you know, you got Tommy Turbo on one side, you got a very polished team on the other. It's gonna be a great game, it's gonna be so tight. A part of me just wants to fall asleep at six o'clock and wake up <laughs> at eight at ten and tell me who's the winner. Tell me the result. It, the, the, the funny thing is with this one, I think um, a lot of people look at these two teams when we talk about attack, and I'm guilty of it as as someone who's driving the conversation. I've talked a lot about the attack of both teams because throughout the year that's what we've looked forward to from both South Sydney and Manly. I think where. Yeah, I mean, look, it's no. I haven't even asked Daniel who is tipping because you know it's, it's it's no surprise. I would ask Shane. It's you know you, th- these games are so tight. You go with your allegiance. I think what the difference is going to come down to is defense because we know both teams are great attacking t- teams. If South Sydney can defend like they did against Penrith, that's what's going to win them the game. Whoever shows up and shows that grand final quality defense, because we often talk about how many years have we talked about, fellas? Defense actually wins premierships. Um, if they show up and and defend like they did against Penrith, they'll they'll, they'll win. Uh, the the Seagulls they rip in, they defend well, they could very well win this one. It's it it's it's tough, and really, you've got two of the form teams at the back end of the season coming through and playing each other for a spot in the grand final. I think the neutral fans are going to be laughing here. It's going to be a great spectacle. Um, Who are you tipping, Gray? 
Uh, I'm tipping the Rabbitohs based oh, on okay. the back of their defense against the Panthers. Cool. Does that sound legitimate? But can we talk about the other one? It's a belter, isn't it? All right, so moving on to our second game of the weekend. It's our second and final game of the weekend. Now, this one's going to take place on Saturday. Uh, Keep in mind, punters out there, that if you haven't been keeping up to date with some of the news that's been going on and the scheduling of games, uh, the Storm vs. Panthers will be taking place... AFL Grand Final. ...at 4 p.m. is the kickoff. Now, uh, I think... That's a common sense decision. I'm sure you guys will probably agree, given the fact that the grand final for the AFL is on Saturday night. Um, this gives sport fans overall an opportunity to watch the Storm versus Panthers and then roll into the grand final, but also, too, for those people who listen to us south of the border. This gives you an opportunity to see the Storm take on the Panthers late afternoon and then roll into the grand final of the AFL. Please be wary of Fox and the media outlets. They're saying that things are kicking off from three. That is pre-game. Yeah, so four so o'clock is the just, actual whistle. Four o'clock is when the whistle blows. Don't, yeah. don't go prematurely. Don't. No, no. Take That's the tablet. You'll be right. You know? That's yeah. never good. Take the nasal spray. You'll be fine. Look, and uh, in regard to the team news uh, for the Melbourne Storm, the big news coming out of this week is Josh Adokar. He's a big name inclusion here. Um, so his return is going to see one of Griffo's favourites, Isaac Lumi Lumi, pushed oh, out of the 17. The Lumi Lumi Army Army are in tears. <laughs> you need to be, you need to go to a Melbourne game with a sign. You can be like the Lumi Lumi giggity guy. You can have yeah. the Lumi Lumi Army. So Ado Carr's back. That's great news for uh, Melbourne Storm fans. That's a big name coming back into the side uh, at this time of year. If you look through their side, and we'll talk about it in a moment, they're another one of those teams that have um, just superstars across the park. For the Penrith Panthers, uh, a lot of the talk this week has been about Brian Toto. He has been named in the reserves in number 21. As the week is going on, we're hearing more and more about the likelihood of him playing. And we even heard that um, after he was excluded last week that uh, he probably wasn't 100% against the Rabbitohs. And uh, hopefully that extra week will give him the opportunity to get in the side this week so that they can push for a grand final spot. Um, Mitch Kenny is not named. Tyrone May is the player to replace Kenny on the bench. If you're a referees fan, which there aren't many of us out there, uh, for those playing at home, Jared Sutton's going to referee this one with Ashley Klein in the uh, bunker. Griffo, the Penrith Panthers here. Um, they're coming up against the Melbourne Storm. They're coming off that really bruising game the other day. I know a lot of Storm fans going into the game were saying to me, I just hope they beat the shit out of each other. They got their they wish. Did. Penrith and Para <laughs> beat the shit out of each other. Penrith, a lot of the criticism is that they are tired. They're coming up against a fresh storm side. How much... Look, we talk about the week off. It's huge for the storm, but how much are the Penrith Panthers going to feel the effects of that Parramatta game going into this game against the storm at Suncorp? Well, as as an uneducated uh, fan of the game, because I'm not, you know, I've not ever been in the situation that these guys are in, you think it's got to have some effect. Um, it was brutal. And then, 
and they followed that was following a pretty brutal game against the Rabbitohs. So they have come through two very, very hard games, physically, mentally. I've heard some some guys like Gordon Tallis come out and say, well, you come through those games, you're actually stronger mentally um, for having played those games, particularly when you win, obviously, like they did last week. Power threw everything at them. Paro are on their line for most of the last five minutes. Um, but Penrith held them out. So you're gonna you think you're gonna take some mental strength out of that. Um, as I said earlier in the in the podcast, with respect to Paramatta, the Melbourne Storm do offer a, a far greater array of, of of offensive talent than what Para's got. Um, the likes of, of Pappenhausen, the likes of Ado Carr, Monster, Hughes, Brandon Smith. When he goes off out of hooker, you bring on... And the guy I fear the most is Harry Grant off the bench. Fresh. Yeah. Up against tiring forwards. That guy scares me as, as a Penrith supporter. Um... Penrith, I'm going to tip him because my heart is is overruling my head. If I was a neutral, I'm on the storm 100%. A team that are the current champions, a team that equaled a record in rugby league in you know in 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 the old um, Sydney rugby league competition, which led into the NRL of 19 consecutive wins of the Roosters back in 1975. But in saying that, you know, to be fair to Penrith, they had 25 uh, regular season wins in a row. They deserve yeah. kudos. I, 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 hate, I hate bringing up old statistics like that because I think, to be fair to Penrith, they've, they've earned their dues. They're, they're a good but, rugby league side. They're, of course, they are Shano. Yeah, I but just I, there no, was a grand final say, oh, in there. You you can you yeah, can say regular no, season, but no. you know done, the one that done. counted most last year. I know that Griffin. I know it would have hurt, but geez, they they they're a good team. I'm not I, disputing that. I think they're a good team. I think they're a great team. But if they can win this game. Somehow, and, and I give him a chance. And I'm, t- as, as I said, I'm tipping him out of, you know, out from the heart. If they can somehow manage to get over the, the Melbourne Storm, who, who I really think at this stage are, are red hot favorites for this title again, um, again, that would have to give them amazing confidence going into a grand final against either the Rabbitohs or the Sea Eagles. Um, I just, I just think Melbourne have got so many guns to fire at you. And as I said, some of those guns come off the bench. Um, Big Nelson, a Sofa Solomona. He's a guy that Penrith's always had trouble with. I mean, he is. He is Goliath. 
uh, we talked earlier about David and, and how he was, you know, pretty good against the Giants. Um, they're going to need a David against this Goliath. Um, he always troubles the Panthers. Monster is is arguably the best big game player in the competition. Um, they, they've got guns everywhere. The, the forward pack is is huge when you, you take into account you know, physically they're a, they're a bigger side than Penrith. Um, for Penrith to win, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, it, and, and they get over the top marginally if they were to win in a grind. Um, what I don't want to see as a Penrith supporter is a repeat of, of the grand final when Melbourne got that big lead. Um, that's where I think this, this uh, tired legs could really be a problem. If, if Melbourne get out to a big lead, Penrith's no hope of, of, of reeling them in. Um, so, and, and this is my fear. Jared Sutton, I'm not, Saying he's a bad ref, but what I've so seen, saying he's a good one. <laughs> okay, uh, he has he has this inclination early in games to give a lot of six again calls to the team that is sort of dominating, and we saw it in the grand final. We've seen it, um, you know, again as a New South Wales supporter. When, when, you know, sometimes Queensland will be able to get on a roll because, because Jerry Sutton will, early in the game, give six again calls that he doesn't tend to do in the second half. Um, so that's, you know, I might be wrong, but this is the impression I get. If you're getting on a roll with Jerry in the first half, um, you can build up a lead. Um would you feel more confident if Grant was refing this week, Griffo? There's the elephant in the room. No, well, look, he's copped a lot um, on social media because someone put up a post saying that he was a Penrith Life member. Of um, the Referees Association. No, no, well, yes, he yeah. is a yes. life member of the Referees Association. But Does everyone forget who Graham Atkins is? Yeah, they 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 do. He's a matter of time. Yes, and, and we look. We know Grant personally, <laughs> and we <laughs> know Grant. Grant Fonda. He was, as, he's a, he I got the reaction. I got the reaction I was looking for. Yeah, look, <laughs> but yeah, out in out in social media land, they focused on this Penrith Life member. Um, they left off the fact that he's a life member of the Penrith Referees Association. Um. So there's this, this perception out there from a lot of people that he is pro-Penrith. Um, as I said, we both, well, we all know well, that yeah. he grew up as a mad para fan. And what people don't understand is, you also played in para juniors, but we'll leave it there, is that when you actually, to be a referee, you have to be affiliated with a junior rugby league club. Exactly. When you actually make it through the ranks, you actually get given life membership of that of that associate of that refereeing association. 
He didn't get it because he paid for it. He didn't get it because he wanted it. He got it because he became an NRL referee. I thought it was highly unfair. Mm. Yeah. Well, not, not that he got the at, membership. At the he should deserve that. I think it was the flack yeah, he got was unfair. At the end of the day, we're, we're tongue-in-cheek. We're not questioning any of his integrity. He's a great bloke and a great referee, and we're actually, you know, like, look, let's, let's, I'll be honest with you. People that don't know me and don't know the podcast, I'd, I'd consider him someone who, you know, I'd consider him a friend, and I'm just um, proud of the fact that he's uh, one of the top referees in the game. And it's I think, I think ref, refereeing selections uh, for both games, I think, is a whole nother conversation uh, for, for a future podcast from you guys. Yeah. It um, is. I, I agree with you, Dan. I, I'll be honest with you. I was sweating a little thought, bit on, and I was like, oh, you know. Dan, yeah. I, I fully agree. I. It's only because I know this thing's going to go for probably four hours and we didn't have seven <laughs> hours under our belt. No, I agree. I think yes. the refereeing um, selections and, and even the touch judging and yeah. the, yeah, I, I think all those selections are very interesting. Anyway. Can, can, can I add something to what Griffo was saying before? Probably Shane uh, has, has a bit of a, a discussion from what Griffo and, and Graham as well. Um, I, I I think with this matchup, Storm versus Panthers, I, I, I think Panthers are going a bit underrated, to be honest. They have struggled the last couple of weeks, but we've got to remember the last couple of seasons from the Panthers. For me, the biggest threat from the Storm, and Griffo mentioned it with the six again calls, the Storm's last game we watched was that Manly game. And so obviously, as a Manly fan, I was watching it particularly closely. I actually think it's not anyone in the 1-17 to who wins this game. It's the coaches. Uh, I think Bellamy is a genius. Uh, I think everyone was talking about, you know, last year or the last couple of years, uh, people slow down the ruck too much. We've got to speed the game up. You know, and that's mainly to stop Melbourne doing what they do. So we sped the game up. And what team finishes first? Oh, it's the Melbourne Storm again. He adapts their game like no one else can. And what I noticed in that Manly game in particular was that every time Manly were returning a kick, Melbourne would give away a six again. They didn't care that it was a seven-tackle set because their defensive line was set so that Manly forwards couldn't go forward. Every single time they ran down and they kicked the ball, Melbourne would give away a, you know, a, a seven-tackle set. They were happy to do so. Any time that Melbourne were returning the ball and Manly had the hand in the ball, the Melbourne player would drop it. Why'd they drop it? Because the penalty, penalty would have to be blown and then they'd march up the field. And I don't begrudge them for that. They're playing within the rules of the game. That's not cheating, it's smart play. Um, and what that meant was that by the time you got to the latter part of the game, the score in that game blew out because Manly forwards were buggered. Melbourne were fresh because they were just walking up the field each time and they were going away with it. That's where I do think To'o, if he's healthy, is a massive inclusion for Penrith. Um, if I think if Melbourne can get uh, if Penrith can get that early go forward, they're in as, as good of a chance as any team. Um, they haven't been clinical in that last attacking third the last couple of weeks. I think that might actually be part of the nerves of their expectation to win those games. They're expected to beat South. They're expected to beat Para. They're not expected to win this week, and I actually think they might play a little bit more freely as a result. Um, it's one of those things that one to seventeen. Both teams are uh, unbelievable. I actually, personally, looking at it, think that some of the individual matchups do go um, Penrith's way. Looking at Crichton up against Jennings, um, I think you know Burton and Olam is, is, is a fairly closely matched one. Uh, Cleary, I think, is a better half than Hughes, um, even though Hughes has been fantastic all year. I just think Melbourne are such a good overall package. They don't make that many mistakes. You have to be on your best to beat them. 
I'm actually going to tip the Panthers. Um, that's partly from the heart too. I'd rather see Panthers in there rather than see another a purple premiership. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm backing the Panthers in, um, but they've got a lot, lot of work to do. Yeah. And look, we, we, we often talk about here, we often say, you know, we don't condone betting, but we look at what the, the punters are saying and how it's changing each week just to update everyone and just to get your thoughts. Cause I know, especially Griffo, you don't look at this sort of thing. Um, I was very surprised to see, I'm not surprised because I know they should be the favourites, but the Melbourne Storm are very short to win this premiership now. They're $1.80 to win the premiership. Uh, the second favourite to win the premiership are the Penrith Panthers at $5. South $5.50, Manly $6.50. What the punters and the betting agencies are basically telling us, fellas, is that Regardless, look, they're confident that the Storm will get past the Panthers, and they're basically telling us that it doesn't matter what happens with South and Manly, that Melbourne's going to beat them as well. I think, though, what this competition has told us is you, you can't just sort of expect the expected. There are some um, unexpected things, I think, still to happen. I think that's why we've got to really look forward to this week's footy because I think we might get a surprise or two out of this week's uh, weekend of Rugby League, fellas. You got injuries. No. You got a lot of things going, That's right? Thing. Like injuries. Yes. You got you got you got injuries. If if one side wants to belt the other end to submission, um, if one team decides to play their grand final a week early, it's it's massive. Like I, I, I just think it's going to be a very very good weekend of rugby league. Um, all of us here have our heart in one camp. Um, that's the thing. That's why we're here. That's why we do the podcast. We're not going to do the podcast because, you know, we just thought it'd be fun to talk about rugby league. We do, we do it because we honestly love the game and we love our teams. And all of us have ridden the roller coaster. We, we are passionate fans of our sides and passionate fans of rugby league. And it matters. That's why we do this. We're, we're, we're here talking tonight, not because we want to. And of course we want to, we want to talk to you guys, but because it matters to us, it matters to you and it matters to everyone who loves rugby league. And we want to give you our perspective. I, I just, I love this time of year and we're blessed to have our teams to be a part of it. it yep. the, the thing that's the thing that's, salty and the thing you know you can harvest all the salt from my veins a week later is when is when you lose and that hurts and it hurts for one reason because within you you followed something that matters and i didn't walk down you know i didn't walk down a street to try and get my club back in i didn't go trekking to brookie you know or 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 sit on the hill when I was six at Penrith, not to make it matter. Like I know Griff, Griff's story, you know, like to follow to follow the Panthers through and to go to their games week in, week out. Um, uh, Dan, to watch Manly, to, to watch the, the ups and downs, the Delmarge, the what's going on, the, the you know. The great Northern yeah, Eagles. The great Northern Eagles. It <laughs> wasn't that a debacle. It hurt, you know, when, when things are going well, it's it's so good. And when things don't, it hurts. And that's what this that's what this next week's about. When you win, you love winning. 
and you find every reason why your club is awesome and you find every reason why the other club wasn't, at the end of the day, you have brilliant teams against, against other brilliant teams who have players who can play some fantastic football. And we forget that. We forget that, that we're here, all here for the one purpose, and we want our teams to win. And when they win, it's euphoric. When they don't, it hurts. And I think that at the end of the, I think at the end of this week, the ledgers evened. We've got the four best comp- teams in the competition. We've got we've got Penrith playing the Storm. We've got South playing Manly. And you want your team to win. I I, I think it's going to be down to individual performances. It's going to be down to what the coaches tell their teams and how they've prepared. Something that hasn't been made a lot of this podcast is the week off. I think the week off is massive. I really do. I think the week off, as following a team that hasn't had the week off in a while, it's big. And I think that... You know, the week off just allows that back 20, those charged batteries to come through on the back 20 of the game. Um, If you've got, if you're not down by too much, look, we're going to see some fantastic football this weekend, uh, boys. And I think that regardless of the result, uh, every team should be proud. I, I, I do say that, Certain teams will be significantly looking at themselves. Probably, if they don't win, it's 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 going to be it's going to be too much. You know, I take I look at South Sydney. If they lose, they've got a serious look at what they do and their processes. I think if Penrith lose, I think that they would look at it's the one that got away. I think Manly should be proud of their year. Um, the storm of the storm. I, I, I just think we've got the four best teams and the cream has risen to the top. And, um, you know, it's it hurts when your team loses and you can find every reason why your team wins at the end of the 80 minutes. That's what we're going to look at. All right. So just to confirm, fellas, just for the punters out there who are still in some form of tipping competition or are just keen to hear it, Put this way, your grand final. I'm going Melbourne South Sydney. Uh, Griffo. Uh, well, I'm going Penrith from the heart. I, I actually think Melbourne from the head. Um, and I think Manly can just nudge out the rabbit holes, but that's with no confidence for me. That's a a fifty-fifty game all the way. Official tip, Dan. I'm going to tip a Manly Penrith grand final, so you can expect a Melbourne uh, and South one next week. I'll tell you what, though, if you if you if you like a punt, Manly Penrith six fifty at the moment on sports bet. Not that we condone betting. I'm going with the the favourite option and the betting agencies. I'm going Melbourne South Sydney, and for us fellas, I think they'll just about do us for episode number ninety nine. Um, it'd be remiss of us not to talk up and make a big deal of the fact that next week is the grand final edition of Carpool Rugby League. And in addition to that, it is episode number 100, which is an absolute, absolutely fair deep coincidence, but it's one that we're going to take on board and look forward to. 100. 
100 episodes. Who'd have thought? Where's the buck? Carpool Rugby League. Are you back next week then? Uh, depends if I get a call up. Happy to come You're back. You're here. You're I appreciate in. you guys having me on. Yeah, we'll in. have you on. We'll have you on. We'll see if we can get some more guests uh, for next week's show. Basically, um, look, Dan, I'm, I'm telling you now, clear your schedule uh, because we know that lately a Carpool Rugby League episode goes for three hours plus. We're, we've just hit three hours and 15 minutes. Next week's the grand final. And look, we're, out of the, the, the four of us here, we're guaranteed that at least one of our teams is going to be in the grand final. So you know it's going to be huge. Um, we really appreciate We need you support. because it could be a it could well be Manly Storm. <laughs> and only yeah, you could talk about the history of Manly Storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we need yeah. – what we're saying is we need you. The, the Battle of Brookvale might get a bit of a resurrection there. Look – other than that, fellas, Lazarus um, is back. Yes, <laughs> that could just about do us this week. Obviously, premierships the... for three different clubs. What a player! Yeah. Oh, Glenn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Glenn yeah. Lazarus. Brilliant. Yeah. I enjoyed and look, Melbourne premiership winner. Um, who'd have thought a bloke like that could do a cartwheel? I reckon he's heavier than me, and my excuse yeah. is I'm too fat to do a cartwheel. So, I better get out and practice my gymnastics. But look, fellas. Did he actually do one or eat one? Oh, well. <laughs> he did one. I was there. He's in car wheel, not ah, wagon wheel. Good on him. No, I wasn't sure what he said. I, I just sort uh, of, yeah, blanked uh, out for a minute. Look, fellas, really appreciate you having on board. Special Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Eagle everyone. Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Griff. Schedule to be Very with nice. As always, me on, it's a great episode. Uh, that'll save you three hours later on in your week Dan because you've just listened to Carpool Rugby League and um, yeah look massive games this week looking forward to the end of the season it's a shame it's all going to end but thanks everyone thank love you all thank you listeners hope you team wins I'll let you go go Manly thank you Busy Kingdom shout out to Michael Maybe Eagle Rock next week, Dan. Hopefully, brothers. Oh, boy, boy. Giggity, giggity.